I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Live. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Gentlemen. Where? I do not see any. D- a DJ and Mr. Guyver, sir, welcome to the show. <laughs> welcome. Welcome back for your uh, little trip there. How was San Diego? Uh, San Diego was really nice. It was great. It was, uh, it was much more successful than my previous trip. Hawaii? Hawaii was a nightmare. Was it? What? I, I never got that story. Oh, the weather was terrible. Nothing worked. That explains your text why you're a bad weather curse. Blah, 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 blah. Yep, that's exactly it. Did you go to Quattro Smilpas? Uh, no, I did not have time to make it there. Oh, my God, dude. There is a little restaurant. So Nick went to San Diego this last week, and he sent me a message at some point. The weather sucks. Where's your favorite restaurant in, <laughs> in uh, San Diego? I grew up there. But I was a single young adult, so I didn't eat. And I, like, I ate at Jack in the Box. I mean, whatever. But one of my favorite places is a little restaurant qual- uh, called Quattro's Milpas, and it's a little itty bitty Mexican shack in the barrio in the in the in the in the hood over there, and it's actually a pretty nice place now. It's been a rundown neighborhood before, but uh, dude, it is a line out the door to this joint every time, and it is good. Are you done undressing over there? Sorry, it's getting warm over here. I had another jacket and a beanie on, but no, I actually did look it up with plans on going there. Yeah, but it looks like they're only open for like breakfast and brunch hours. They so weren't. They weren't open for dinner. That's I've why only been there go. for lunch. Yeah, and I've. I've Never been there for dinner. Didn't. Yeah, I want to say they, they close at like 2.30 or something like that. All right. Well, enough about you, man. What we have here today <laughs> Yeah, fuck Nick. Uh, is our good, our good friend, Henry Guyver. Henry, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Dude, no, thank you for being here. You, you're a very unusual guest for, for us because we like to have the newer jumper around. But you're unusual because, number one, you've come here with the lowest jump number. And number two, Nick, do you have any clue who this guy is? I mean, in what respect? <laughs> we barely know him. Oh, no, you're all, you're basically a stranger, other than I've seen your face for hours and hours yeah. from uh, making <laughs> that video say, about you. Yeah. yeah, but we haven't hung out with you a lot, and usually it's been our close friends here, so another unique thing. So I'm really looking forward. We've talked a lot in this last week. I don't know if you noticed. I kept a little bit of a distance because I don't want to ruin I'm like, I'm holding my tongue. I want to ask you questions, but I, I saved them for tonight. Well, I'm really glad to be here. Yeah. So, so first of all, how many skydives do you have, sir? Uh, now, 43. 43. And you started skydiving when? I did. So the very first tandem I did was in, it must have been 2012. And it was a gift from my wife, Allie, and uh, my buddy Joey, who's also here actually now on the package. Oh, he's on the package too? He's on the package as well. Yeah. So got the, they gave me the certificate, gift certificate for my birthday, and I thought, wow. And then, oh, shit, I actually have to do this now. <laughs> you know, it's like you watch the videos on YouTube, and it's like, yeah, it's awesome. And then I was like, oh, man, it's for real. Like, I've got to do it. Um, that was my first tandem. I had an awesome time and then did another tandem, like, two-plus years ago. And then from there came to Spaceland October last a year and change ago to get my A license. So I, I actually didn't realize these previous tandems had happened. I, I thought when you first came here, it was your first jump experience. 
Um, now, looking at your Facebook, uh, stalking you for photos to get this put together, I noticed you had done another tandem somewhere else. Yes. Um, when you made the first jump, when you made that first tandem in 2012, right? I, I believe so. Okay. 12, 13. Around yeah. there. Mm -hmm. uh, did you know you were going to do it again after you landed? What was that immediate thought process? Uh, actually, I had it filmed, so you can you can see it. It's pretty funny. I land, and the videographer comes up, and he says, what do you think? And immediately, I just say, again, again, right now, let's go. Let's go again. So it was, it was actually, gotcha. like, immediately, you know, touchdown. I, I was ready to go. Dude, through. my first jump, uh, my my first uh, jump is actually on on Facebook somewhere. I posted for for my anniversary at some point. Mm -hmm. And on landing, if you play it, the first thing I say is, "I'm back! I am back! I am coming back! I'm back. I just couldn't wait to come back." So uh, what Nick's doing is he's actually going to load up a video that he put together. Uh, you actually came here and learned to skydive in a week. Yep. So a little quick audio blast. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you look at the screen right now, there you are. Wow, that's, that's me. Yeah. With shorter hair, I can't see that far away that well. So, and oh, this, yeah. and you learned with Hank. You came here and started jumping with actually our guest from last week, Hank. Yeah, uh, it was it was kind of serendipitous. Uh, I wasn't initially paired up with Hank, but then I was just kind of killing time. I was in the pro shop talking to Vulcan, and uh, Hank was in there trying on helmets. Uh, I think they had some large enough for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just kidding but uh <laughs> he talked to me and you know what are you up to and uh we talked a little bit and then he said are you flexible and i said yeah he said all right we're doing it together because for hank he falls you know he, he falls a bit faster than someone my size so he I has a built-in arch he does yeah S so uh and then from there, that's we went all the way through. With I, I did one or two jumps with Chris Fidala as as well, but primarily Hank. So I, I just want to go backwards one second. I got distracted by that video popping up. But um, you made that first jump. You landed. You immediately knew you wanted to jump again. But yet it took a couple years. Why did it take so long to make another skydive? Skydiving is expensive. Yeah, it is, <laughs> isn't it? It's expensive. <laughs> and uh, I think... Um, I don't know, different things going on, um, but largely I felt like if I do it again, I'm, I'm going in, you know, I'm going full in and I, I don't think that I was like logistically ready to, to commit like that yet. So it was, yeah, I don't know. I, I think largely I just was a, a student and thought, damn, that's expensive, you know? And so I just kind of hung out for a while, but it like crept into my conscience and conscious and uh, thought about it. And then it was, you know, I just had to, had to go again. It's a hard part. There, there's so many things I want to do that I, I don't do because I can't afford it. And if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Yeah. I'm not going to half-ass it. Exactly. So now we fast forward. You've, you've already told the quick story, the quick version. You came here and you learned to skydive in just under a week. Mm -hmm. uh, getting ready for this, actually, I was telling Mr. Law earlier today, getting ready for tonight, I do a little bit of homework, I do a little bit of research, and yesterday I said, wait a minute, this is our first, at least recent, A-licensed grad. I don't know if we've ever had an A-license and a license in a week person in here. Do you think? Do you, uh, AJ? Was AJ a license in a week kid? I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think he took a little bit more time than that, but yeah. I could be wrong. Definitely one of the only, if not the only, A-in-a-week person. Now, a lot of people pay for this program. 
And and if you hear us talking about it, you don't know what this program is. Every skydive space land in the United States, Dallas, Houston, Atlanta, and Clewiston, you can actually pay $2,400, Mr. P. Is that the right price? Yep, that's the right number. $2,400. And what that gets you is 23 skydives. It gets you all your student jumps, all your gear rental, everything you need. We take two jumps, two tandems up front. After that, you pay $2,400. That's 23 more jumps and everything you need for your A license except for a packing class. Yep. And most people who pay for it get the huge discount and spread it out over a little bit of time. But some of you maniacs come out and knock it out in a week. I did it in about, about four days, and then I ended up taking the test on the, on the fifth. I was going to ask. I heard you actually were hustling. You got at it. Mm-hmm. So you went beginning to end in four days. Yeah. 23 jumps in four days. Uh, in I think like twenty five, twenty five jumps. Did the extra couple? Yeah, that yeah. You, you jumped with your buddy a few times, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Jumped with Joey. It's ridiculous. I uh, so I found I was doing that homework about the A license program and and something that's interesting. When did you do it last year? Uh, October. You were one month shy of the anniversary. I wish I knew this last year, but August, Jane, June, July. August. No, you were two months off. August of last year was a 10-year anniversary of our fir- a- first A&A Week students. We actually had oh, three okay. Air Force German officers come in. Uh, uh, Fox, Merch, and Ralph. Uh, Fox, he's German, F-U-C-H-S, Fox. But they pronounce it quick enough, so we all thought it was Fox, and eventually found out, oh, you're calling them Fox? Oh, we're in. We're good now, man. This is this is great. Uh, super good dudes. So you're right there 10 years later, and, and we're producing a lot more students uh, or, or a, lot, a lot more people are coming out for this program. Mm-hmm. 10 years later, you graduated. What's it like to learn to skydive in four days? I've never done that. Well, um, it's it's awesome. And Joey, at the time, he said, you better soak this up because it's never going to be this good for the rest of your life, skydiving this much. And I thought, mm, well, we're going to prove him wrong now. But uh, <laughs> especially working with Hank because he he met me on, you know, every every time I said, all right, let's go. You know, he was he was ready to go when he, he adjusted his teaching to how I needed in order to, you know, go as fast as possible. Um, and I, I was looking for speed um, part. Partly because it's so fun, but also because, you know, I had limited vacation from working in China. So I came from China, and then uh, the faster I did it, the more time I could spend with my family as well, back in Colorado. But, um, I don't know, it, it's just, it was, it was so much fun, and, and I, I, don't, I don't know, it's, it's hard to kind of articulate how... how what it's like to to do it that quickly you just i think it's really helpful i i think that people have you know different needs in in learning how to skydive and everything but if you have the physical emotional and mental stamina necessary that uh you can absolutely do it and especially at spaceland where you the instructors are you know ready to go you 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 can do it you know that's what they look for. I, I would definitely recommend against most people learning in four days. Um, I think people are very capable. Our, our record at Spaceland is 25 jumps by a student in two days. 
Um, and I'm trying to remember his name. It's on my phone right now. I, I still stay in touch with this cat. I was his instructor, and he shows up, and he did a lot of his groundwork a couple of days ahead because we had bad weather. We knew we only had two days of good weather coming up, and we would have to bang out jumps. So we were studied. We would land on 20-minute calls. Wait, did this happen to be on a Saturday and Sunday? Yes. Okay. It had to be, man. Mm-hmm. It was the only way we were going to get it done. We got lucky. We got very lucky with the weather. He would land, we'd land on a 20-minute call while I was packing. He would come up and tell me how the skydive went and debrief me. I would tell him what I thought or any input. He was usually dead on what he could fix and what he needed to do better. From there, he would pull out his pop quiz. I'd have some things highlighted. He'd tell me what the things I had highlighted are, and then the other things that weren't highlighted, I'd ask him questions about. Mm-hmm. By the time I was done packing, he knew everything, and he goes, I'm ready to walk the skydive, boss. He tell me everything. I mean, this guy was That's on point, dude. Oh my! <laughs> he was also a commercial welder underwater for a job. He dove underwater, sat underwater for hours at a time welding. So high stress, high endorphin, high adrenaline yeah, environment. That's, that's what he hardcore. does. Most people can't do it. You said it. It's emotional. All that adrenaline, all those endorphins, all those dumps. It wears you out emotionally. Is that a Zevia, yo? You know what it is? Next sponsor of the podcast. Zevia. Zevia right there next to one bars. Zevia makes a water now. <laughs> I really I really think I need to person I was fantasizing earlier today about the sponsorship from One Bars. So I think what we're what I, we're gonna have to do is take a one bar on a skydive and hold it and get a really cheesy picture and then send that to them with information about the podcast. I think that's our end. Oh dude, one bar. Have you ever had these? <laughs> I, I don't know that I have. Do you no. know what we're talking about? Hang on, let me grab one. <laughs> so, first of all, I'll, I'll kind of load it up with like Cliff Bars, Laura Bars, all these health supplement bars you're supposed to eat to keep you going all day long. They're packed full of fucking sugar. Most of those bars have as much sugar as a goddamn Snickers. Don't get me wrong, I want a Snickers. I'm a fat kid. How much sugar is in that one bar, Mr. P? There's only one gram of sugar in my... Oh, am I cutting out? No, that's oh, that's my headphones again. Okay, one gram of <laughs> sugar in my one bar. Yeah, we have no affiliation to this fucking company. <laughs> There's my favorite thing to snack on. Uh, dude, he got me hooked. One bars are the bomb. I, I got Nicole Black on them too. Yeah, See, dude. I already got two customers turned. They're dude. gonna love me when I when I start sending them emails. We're at the point where Valor's like, I'm sick of having to shop for these and, and go to Sprouts to get them. Let's just get online and order them in bulk. Valerie will not order in bulk. Valerie doesn't like that kind of shit. We got Valerie wanting to order them online in bulk. We got something going on. Sold. Dude, they are the best tasting fucking bar I've ever Available had. in Texas at your local Sprouts. Whole Foods. <laughs> Trader Joe's. I don't think Whole Foods has them. Fuck you, Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> so Have a look at Trader Joe's. They might be onto something. Yeah, man. Uh, for speaking of that, dude, I do want to th- uh, throw a little ho- a little hello out to our buddy Adam Buckner. Adam owns, runs Option Studios. Option Studios has been taking care of graphic design for the Rating Center and for uh, Gravity Lab Radio uh, for quite a long time, and Gravity Lab Radio from the beginning. You've seen our logo. Monty is that dude's name. That's where we get our email address. Uh, Adam created Monty, created the whole Gravity Lab Radio logo, and also that's where we got our stickers, our shirts, our jerseys, you name it, for the Rating Center and for Gravity Lab. They get everything there. Ooh, I brought a sticker home I got to put on there. Yeah, for un- yeah, Unwilling Campy. Um, Option Studios, uh, one of the things that I love uh, that they do are stickers. Have you ever tried to get die-cut stickers, stickers made in shapes? I, I haven't made them before, but I know. Dude, they are expensive because if they're a standard shape, a standard round, a standard rectangle, yeah. they've already got the die made for that. Right. Yo, bro, I want you to cut out my sticker, Gravity Lab Radio sticker, in this shape. 
they actually have to machine a die. They actually have to machine a big cutting thing for that. I've been there. And I got to own that, and I got to pay for that. So I got to pay. I got to order this many stickers. If you're ordering in smaller quantities and you can't afford that, they're using uh, – I didn't know this exists, Nick. Have you seen these inkjet cutting machines that do it all? Inkjet cutting? Yeah, no, dude. Man, they're, they're fucking total emo, man. They're skill. like cutting. Sad. <laughs> so <laughs> there's two types, and what, what Adam and his crew are using is just this big four-foot inkjet vinyl machine. Takes uh, ink and just lays it down on top of vinyl. It also lays down a green outline where it wants to cut. They take that same sheet, they throw it on a four-foot wide cutter, rolls through that, and the cutter senses where those green lines are, and they're all cut out individually. Notice we got our, our stickers in that pack instead of, uh, you know, they're kind of on square sheets. Yep. Because they just cut them all out of that big old piece of, land, uh, that big piece of, uh, uh, of vinyl. Uh, they're also machines that actually will print it and cut it out at the exact same time. Those stickers are durable as shit. Dude. Because I put stickers on a lot of things in my life. Yeah. And I destroy them real good. And I was uh, actually just showing the sticker on my headphones to the camera a minute ago. And, uh, yeah, I don't think I could ruin this thing if I wanted to, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Uh, to, uh, that's They actually do a UV coating on it. So it's, it's a laminate. If you get stickers ordered specific, if you just order stickers, they'll fade out with chemicals from your hand. Uh, a buddy of ours, Zach, actually had some stickers made on his phone. It's all faded out just from hand to oil. Uh, if they sit on things in the sun like airplanes or skydiving helmets, they fade out pretty quickly, too. Uh, you can actually order a vinyl laminate that goes on top of it, or excuse me, a UV laminate that goes on top of it. And that gives it that really thick, durable, well-lasting. Those stickers run, us, I think, 60 cents a piece, which isn't the cheapest. But when you're talking quantity, you have to really go up to $1,000 to to start getting right. those cheaper prices. So. Option Studios, you know how well I spell their name for their website, pullupcords.com. So check out pullupcords.com. Dude, I tried to spell last week too, motherfucker. I can't do this (laughs) yet. (laughs) I actually tuned in for just that part and heard you spell something wrong. (laughs) I can't spell. I'm okay with that. (laughs) Uh, Mr. P is going to share pullupcords.com in the uh, Facebook stream. Check it out. Also, we'll throw up pull-up cords on the website. You need wind blades, you need stickers, you need pull-up cords, uh, neck buffs, you name it, they make it for everybody. And, of course, you've seen those really badass jerseys. So, uh, Adam Buckner, Option Studios, thank you guys so much for making some super, super dope stuff. Henry, how you been? I've been great. It's like we lost you for one minute there. Oh, no, I'm here. All right, cool. So, let's go backwards. You've learned in a week, and I want to get some more questions about that, but you said you took a vacation, a break from where? China. So you awfully white and round eye for China, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what are you doing in China? So uh, I was working for a manufacturing company uh, that makes uh, sports equipment, mostly sports therapy equipment, like uh, foam rollers and uh, like massagers and uh, shoe insoles. Should I buy off Amazon? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so, and then, and then my wife Allie was working for a fashion company there. That explains all the rest of those fashion things going on. You also dress very nicely; comes natural for you. <laughs> Nick, you ever feel underdressed in the podcast? I actually put a collared shirt in the van to put on before I came in. Yeah, it was too cold to change outside, <laughs> so I just kept wearing my jacket. We've actually been dominantly wearing collared shirts on the podcast lately. Just Nick kind of started a trend, and it's it's fucking rolled, man. I like it. It feels good. The night we decide to dress like bums, girl shows up looking good. I'm not intimidated by you. <laughs> <laughs> Who's taller? Everybody. <laughs> if we're comparing them to me. <laughs> not Sam. 
That is true. That's one person in my life. Yeah. His girlfriend is like a little Filipino Thai boy lady. So she's a midget. Hey, only I can call her my... What do I call her? My little China boy sometimes? <laughs> I have. I've lost track. Yeah. Right? Sorry. <laughs> That's all Little good. Asian lady boy. That's her. So what took you to China? Was it your job? Was it your job? What got you guys there? Um, well, it actually started with study abroad. So I was studying. I, I have my undergraduate degree in... Uh, in Chinese, Chinese language and civilization. And so uh, we went over for a, a study abroad in Nanjing for at the university there. And then from there, I got a job uh, and continued on from there for two years. So you speak Mandarin good. It works. You can beat Chris Tucker in a match every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he in some Chinese-speaking movie? Uh, Rush I think, Hour. Yeah, Rush yeah, Hour, yeah. yeah. Um, so what 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 is it about China that kept you there? Because I mean, you hear about China, and one thing we think about is overpopulation. Mm-hmm. Another thing we think about is overpollution. Yeah, is that what it really is like, or is that kind of like thinking New York is America? It's like um, like Chinese people say Americans eat hamburgers and pizza, and that's it. That's what I have for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they're not totally wrong, but then again, we're not either. There is a lot of there are a lot of people there. And the air is not great in a lot of places. Uh, so w- when we were in Nanjing, which is uh, west of Shanghai by about an hour by bullet train, 45 minutes maybe, uh, the air there is very bad. But most recently we've been uh, down in Shenzhen, which is right outside of Hong Kong. And the air there is actually really nice and clean. And so China, also one thing to remember is that it's just such a big place that they're, that it's, you know, they're, Places that are absolutely, totally remote and, uh, you know, no air pollution problems at all. And then the exact opposite, of course, in, like, Beijing. Yeah, you go to West China, and it's the mountains. It's yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah. nowhere land. Uh, so why stick in China? What kept you there? What is it about it? Um, well, China is one of the really appealing things about China is there's just so much about it that's, that's new to me uh, as a Westerner. And so you, you're guaranteed to have a brand new experience every day in China, whether it's, you know, something kind of shocking or, uh, or you know, interesting. or you're, you're, You grow a lot in China as a person. And uh, I'm generally fascinated by the language and the culture and um, also, you know, in terms of building a career, which I've totally abandoned basically at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I should mention. Um, it's it, you know I I have a bit of an edge being able to speak Mandarin and uh, it's it's good for business you know so I built a strong base there um, but I don't know I just generally find it really interesting um, I enjoy living there I enjoy the people I'm glad to be back um, I'm glad to be doing something different but uh, that that interest was enough to keep us there for three years. So I kind of want to, and you actually have already tied this to exactly where we're going, because you've had a very quote-unquote successful lifestyle, if you look at it in a corporate kind of way, and we need to go to school, we need to work, we need to work in these confines, that's the American dream, right. which I'm not saying is a bad dream. There sure. is zero wrong with those goals in those directions, but it's not for everybody. Yeah. Now, y- what exactly was your job? What exactly did you do for this company within easy reason just kind of finding out your career path yeah so uh, i was a project manager so i oversaw the production and uh, kind of led new product development team 
and production, checked on production, oversaw, uh, you know, just just basic project management, making sure orders went out on time, things were made properly, and uh, mo- and and directly interfacing with customers. And then back to having that bilingual ability. If you, you can't have the job if you don't speak Mandarin. Two largest languages in the business world right now are English and Mandarin. I'm not 100% sure of that, but I'm pretty sure. That sounds good to me. I'll take it. Yeah. If you think about it, it's it's the top two for, it's in the top few for sure. For sure, yeah. So you're definitely an asset. So now let's say you decide not to stick there in China. You come back to America and work inside the same industry. Are there jobs and opportunities for you here that are similarly lucrative? Um, I think that I could successfully work from the U.S., but the way I'm useful, I would probably be working in a fashion where I would at least several times a year go back to China. So overseeing production, like so, something I'm kind of useful for now is sourcing, uh, finding new new factories and stuff to manufacture new products and stuff like that. So, but the the strong point is, you know, when I have boots on the ground, then I can oversee and have kind of the muscle of speaking Mandarin to make things happen. So I, I, I think that going forward, living in the U.S. and continuing with uh, this career path, it'll involve travel. Um, but because there are, a, you know, a million project managers that are way better at it than me in the U.S., you know, working in that, that same function, but being able to speak Mandarin is kind of the trick. That's your, that's your bullet right that's there. That's my bullet. That's your golden cross. <laughs> So now you're taking a break. You've basically, you've done what we call a cutaway. You ever hear that term, you've cut away? Mm-hmm. You, and we, we do have some WUFOs uh, or non-jumpers listening, and, and we've gotten a few comments about but cutting away. When, when you have a bad parachute, when the situation ain't going right over your head, you just pull this handle, cuts it away, gets rid of that parachute, and now we go to our reserve. Yeah. In life, I cut away one day. I had a typical common job. I did whatever. And I'm like, I'm sick of this lifestyle. I want to skydive full time. Mm-hmm. Call it cutting away. Yeah. In my case, it was to work full time. In your case, it's to make as many goddamn skydives as you can yes, sir. throughout a year. Mm-hmm. So you're here at Spaceland's Unlimited Jump Package. Apparently, you can't get enough of these deals. And the Unlimited Jump Package costs $8,800. That's right. You think I'd know all these prices <laughs> instead of asking everybody. Um, and you don't have to pay for a jump this entire year unless it's a specialty novelty jump that's right. considered otherwise. Mm-hmm. But that's at any space land. Mm-hmm. Yep. I want to know how many jumps you plan on making in this next year, and then we're going to go backwards in a conversation. How, what's your goal? I, w- I want to do at least 1500 We'll come back to that because that's a huge number. I know it is. But now you're taking, now you're doing this fifteen hundred jumps over the next year. Do you plan on, or is this a break from life? Are you planning on going back to the old job style? What's your goal? What what, what's this year about? Um, I'm kind of suspending any any sort of decision at this point. So the main focus is just to to jump and to enjoy it and uh, to kind of see where where things go from there. So. I feel that with my job, uh, I can. it's something that I can come back to. Mm-hmm. Just keep speaking Chinese. I need to keep practicing. Uh, but uh, for now, you know, if, if something works out that I can continue to skydive uh, every day, <laughs> I, would, I would love that, you know. Uh, but but I'm I'm not I'm not going in with expectations or anything like that. I'm just you know looking to towards the next jump really. All right, we got to stop you right now. 
if you say I'm going in one more time, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> do, you do you know why he's saying that? Yeah. yeah. So going in and skydiving <laughs> is a term that we use when someone dies while skydiving, right? I'm, he he I'm went in doing that. this. I'm going. Yeah. So how many have you heard it every time, or is it just me? No, who I, I, when I hear so that. Someone pointed it out in the comments, uh, like <laughs> really near to the beginning of the show. I think it, yeah, it was Hank. Hank said, "Don't say going in." I'm beginning <laughs> and, this, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so. I think Hank picked that up from me because my whole skydiving career, somebody taught me that. Mm -hmm. I don't use bounce dryer sheets, and I never say go in. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. So well, while we're kind of sidetracked here, I actually wanted to ask, so with your ability to speak Chinese, is that more helpful because you're er, interfacing with customers speaking in Chinese or with the people who uh, work inside the, the manufacturing facility? Uh, I'm working directly with well the customers are English speakers okay and then I I can I, I talk with the factory owners and the factory managers in Chinese because uh, if you work with a factory where everyone speaks English things just got a lot more expensive where if you work with you know because that's that's a lucrative thing for them on the opposite side where it's good for me to speak Mandarin it's good for them to speak English and uh, you know the the prices are reflected in that. So, but for a company filled with people who are all bilingual, you're going to pay more per employee, is what you're saying? Uh, essentially, but y you would have a hard time finding a company like that in in most manufacturing settings in China. I think. What's the weirdest thing you guys made at this company? I want to know. Weirdest thing we've made? Yeah, are there any sex uh, toys? That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> He's going <laughs> actually, straight to dong. Actually, I went to a. I was doing a factory visit. Uh, checking out materials, raw materials supplier, and it was uh, TPE and just various forms of stuff that's that's uh, kind of gummy, kind of like silicone, and they had the display room and uh, all different kinds of things made out of this kind of silicone, including massive, like, <laughs> massive dildos on, Beautiful. The, on the shelf. And I was going down, very serious, very, very serious. I was going down. <laughs> Go, what? Going, going, down the, <laughs> going down the row, looking at their products, and they're telling me, oh, yeah, you know, this material is so good for this, and it has these properties. And then I walk straight up to the biggest, biggest dildo I can find, and I grab it, and I inspect it, and I, I shake it <laughs> with very serious face, just kind of shake it like I'm testing material. And they're like, What's he? What's he gonna do? And then I, I smiled and everyone laughed, but it was, it was really funny. But it, in terms of us making weird stuff, don't really make anything that weird. It's 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 mostly like foam rollers. I'm still things. happy you had a little story. So thank <laughs> you. I, I did. Yeah. So All right. Beautiful. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. To interrupt. No. No. Will you now do another <laughs> week of the podcast? Uh, sure. Yeah. Sweet. You've kept him on board. He he's been borderline. You uh -oh. have to have a good dong story as a guest or Nick's never coming back. There you go. Oh, okay, let's not go down that road. You know, you've right. actually never been here with Henry Pruitt, Hank. Yeah, twice. I've missed tw Hank twice. Yeah, Ben Nelson was the uh, producer the first time, and Justin Grubbs, dude, who choked all over screwing things up in production last week. So. Did he? Yeah, he oh, pulled, good. He pulled a Mr. P. super satisfied. Dude, now he's in the club because all of us have now fucked that. There up. are a lot of buttons back here. Dude, I tried it twice, and it sucks. It's hard. So... Um, you you consider this kind of a, a buy year, like oh, I'm just gonna see what happens in the end yeah. of the year, man. Obviously, I think that well, I don't know if it's obvious, but I think there might be a unique opportunity because it sounds like you can consult remotely. Mm -hmm. And if you can consult remotely, what says you can't land between loads, work at your computer, decide, hey, I need the next few hours off, pull away, and then come back and jump when you're done. Right. 
Now, let's say I decide, man, I, I, I want to get something made. I, I want to start, you know, I want to design my own whatever. Mm-hmm. I could probably talk to you. I mm-hmm. need the capital is another conversation, mm-hmm. but I need the money. But you could help me decide, get, figure things out and get them built in China if I really wanted to get into mass production. Yeah. Man, you need to be talking to people in the skydiving industry. Um, first of all, I don't want to skydive with anything made from China. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Wait a minute. That's racist. That. Let's talk about <laughs> my people. Um, I do want to just skydive with stuff made from Japan. Mm-hmm. We're way better. We're a superior Asian race by far. <laughs> Smaller country, less people, and yet we're more dominant. Just yeah, saying. they love Japanese people there. Do they? No. No, no. no that's they a serious them. feud, isn't <laughs> it? Yes. That's why I talk feud. shit right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I don't know if you notice, if you can't tell if they're Chinese and you can't tell if they're Japanese, they're Korean. <laughs> it's straight up, dude. Try it next time you're back there. Like, I'm Oh, I'm a whiz. Yeah. I'm a whiz with telling... Telling them all apart. Dude, all you countries. can, right? Oh, yeah. Man, my wife went out for when we first started living together, first started dating, she thought I was crazy. And we'd be watching, and I'm like, I think that dude's Korean. And we'd pull up IMDb, like, he's Korean. How do you know? Look at this fucking name. That's a <laughs> Korean name. If there's a Kim in it, he's probably Korean. Um, they don't name, name their women Kim, though. Um, <laughs> you, what's that? You speak Korean also? I, I studied Korean when I was a little kid. Who <laughs> studies Korean as a little kid? Now, wait a minute. I caught <laughs> you speaking some French in your canopy course. Yeah. How many languages do you partially somewhat speak? Well. Otherwise, you'll never admit to this. The, the Chinese is, is pretty good. The French, uh, I studied French for six years, and then I studied abroad in uh, Paris and also in Martinique in the Caribbean. Um, I I hesitate to claim other things. I studied Korean because my mom is a violin teacher, and a Korean woman came to her when I was a kid and couldn't afford violin lessons. So she said, "Why don't we trade? Uh, I'll teach your your children Korean, and you can teach my children violin." So, um, also my my parents met in Venezuela. My dad's from England, and my mom's uh, American, uh, but she was a Spanish professor. So I've got a little bit of Spanish. And so I don't know, little bits and pieces, and then I'm, I'm doing the Russian Duolingo right now. You're, you're sounding a little <laughs> bit more and more like the international man of mystery. <laughs> so mysterious. <laughs> Except you're getting all my answers now, so I'm losing my mystery. So I've been with him for over seven years, and we go to Korea, and I had no idea that he can speak Korean. And then all of a sudden we go, we get into a taxi, and he starts speaking to Korean to the taxi driver. <laughs> It worked, Who is this it worked guy? out. <laughs> so there's all sorts of secrets we might pull out from you. We'll try to keep them respectful to you, Allie. We can't share those secrets. Get you in trouble. <laughs> Allie, have you made a jump? No, not yet. You've not made any, not one. No. Would anyone like to pay for it? So wait a minute. <laughs> you bought his first tandem. I did, yes. And yet you've not made a skydive yet. No, I had no idea that this would be our path. Are you interested in making a skydive and checking it out someday? I am, yeah, All definitely. Right. I'll remember that. I'll hold that against you. <laughs> you do, do, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, maybe we have to wait till Henry gets 300 skydives. 300 skydives and a little bit more qualifications. You can come lurk a tandem. You can come geek a tandem. You can come hang out with your wife while in free fall. I would I, love that. I was going to ask if you had uh, any ambitions to pursue any ratings while you're here. Do you see that in your, in your 1,500 jump year? I'll, I'll take what you'll give me. I, I don't <laughs> give nothing away. I'm an expensive <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, that's what do you think pays thing. for this podcast? <laughs> it's a rating center. Rating man. center also was a sponsor of the podcast. I don't know if you knew that, Henry. <laughs> oh, and dude, uh, I do want to throw out Mitch Hansen. So mm. we're doing what on April seventh? 
Mitchance, oh, are we talking about the? Uh, we're talking about the karaoke you festival. Close your... Nick and I might sing Bon Jovi hang together on, on karaoke on. night. So wait, tell me, tell me about this guy, and then I'm gonna say some stuff, dude. So we're having a karaoke night April seventh at Skydive Spaceland Houston. It's just gonna be a Gravity Lab Radio little get together, a party, nothing special, nothing fa- nothing fancy. Come out, belt your best tunes. The winner gets a big high five, and that's about it. Maybe Nick Lott will give you a tongue kiss. That's your call. Whoa, whoa! I like where this is going. But karaoke night costs a little bit of money, and the rating center sponsoring Gravity Lab Radio is not the most uh, lucrative business. We're not like, you know... It's not what I heard. Richard Branson. Yeah, no, my it's wife has conspiracy. money, not me. <laughs> uh, so there's been people volunteering to actually support the karaoke night, throwing down a little bit of a donation. And Mitch Hansen was in the canopy. Of course, you met Mitch, the racist guy, right? He's not <laughs> a racist. I'm fucking joking. <laughs> so Mitch is actually a big fan of the podcast. And I completely defecate on the fact that I'm Asian. I just completely... Or is that deprecate? <laughs> I'm not sure which, but neither <laughs> one is good. <laughs> Boo, cocky. Um, I completely uh. rip on, on being Asian. And Mitch read right into that and comes into the canopy course. And I said, hey, this used to be a rice field. Oh, you yes. should feel right at home then, is his first <laughs> fucking comment. All right. I don't know, Mitch, but I need to. <laughs> so I look at him in a straight face. You, you, you've seen when I just get serious and act like I'm pissed? Dude. That's not funny. Well, dude, if I say it, it's a joke. You say it, it's racist. And I get the straightest face, and he's like, I'm fucking kidding, Mitch. Super nice guy. He's not racist at all, but the rest of the course, everything between him and I was racism. Just straight up, man. Um, And he did a damn good job landing that parachute. He did an awesome job. Most of the time. Wasn't there one that was entertaining? Not as entertaining as mine, but it was was good. Dude, this is what back Henry... He took one and slid into third base and biggest splash for a skinny white. I've never seen so much water from Shamu. <laughs> Dude, that was a lot of water. Displaced like a swimming pool of water. I yeah, fall down three out of ten landings, okay? <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Dude, he had an enema from hell, called his wife Allie up and brought him a full change of clothes. So Very nice. Thank you, Allie. And thanks for the towel. You saved his dignity and my eyesight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so Mitch was in the canopy course. He threw down twenty dollars to support the uh, the karaoke night. I have not gotten money yet from, but I have heard multiple promises from, and I got no doubt about it in my mind. Kevin Craig is already committed to support the cause. Uh, our dear boy Brian Menard and, and Brian, I love you, buddy. I'm with your family right now. Brian's just got a little family stuff going on, and, and much love to you and your and, and your family, bro. But Brian has promised that he will also follow through with some money once he's back in town. So we've got our first three supporters. Guys, gals, if you want to make this karaoke night happen, it is happening, but please help us out. Uh, you see Nick Lott on the DZ, throw him a few bucks. You see myself, throw me a few bucks, Justin Grubbs. Any one of the three of us, get us the money. Um, I have a money clip in my safe, so when you get it, Nick, let hand it to me, and we'll keep adding to the stash. Okay, we're going to add to the stash right now. So every year for Christmas, my mom sends me $100 what? usually is, is what – she doesn't want to do Christmas shopping anymore. She doesn't really do holidays anyway. But uh, this year she sent me 150 bucks, which was great. And she always tells me, don't spend this on bills. You have to spend this on something fun, right? And so it's just been sitting in my Christmas card doing nothing. And I was thinking, uh, I actually talked to Sam because uh, my mom sent her money too, and I think her family sent us both money. And I was like, hey, what are we going to do with this money? And she's like, well, I don't know. I already put mine in the bank. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not having fun with you with that money then. <laughs> and decided <laughs> decided that this $150 from my mom, my mom's going to be the next official sponsor of the uh, of the karaoke night. So we're going to add that to the pile. Tonight's Gravity Lab Radio has been brought to you by Connie Lodge. Oh, man, you know my mom's name? Dude, Dude she's going to be psyched. I know mom, your mom's name like you know my sister's name. Besties, bro. Well, Me uh, and Connie, we go way, but not really. You guys, you guys text? 
No, dude. <laughs> not like you and my sister. <laughs> my sister, who is a married girl, I think is carrying a like texting fling going on with Mr. Lot. Hey, what goes on between Debbie and I? It's not <laughs> your business. Where did that picture of your uh, niece go, by the way? I'm not 100% sure. I actually had to clean up that entire rack of paperwork behind you because that's actually pending work. And at some point, she got removed. Um, but hey, karaoke night is getting more and more real. What was the date that you said? April what? I believe it's April 7th. It's Saturday night. Check out April 7th, I think. I believe Bo from PD, he's trying to be in town that weekend. I hope he is. I heard he can sing. Nick, I'm really serious. We got to do a little. Well, what started this karaoke night? You, me, and Bon Jovi. Yeah, well, I, I've, <laughs> honestly, I've wanted to do. I really hope I can get Tommy Miller in town for karaoke night. Because there's a really shitty song with uh, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. It's called Ain't Nothing But a G Thing. That and is shitty. It's a really gangsta. good song. <laughs> but uh, I was driving to work one morning and it came on. And just like from the 90s, being a little kid, I know the lyrics from this song. Mm-hmm. And I was just fantasizing about someone else being the Dr. Dre to my Snoop Dogg. And Tommy was the first person that came to mind. And I got to work and I was like, dude, we got to do this. This is going to be hilarious. And uh, then he moved to Saipan. So if Tommy doesn't show up, we need uh, Braden as your backup. Yeah, well, Braden's living in uh, Los Angeles now. Being a G. Being a G. Being uh, a, f- a full-time failing comedian. <clears throat> and Tommy is uh, coming back in February, I believe, coming back to the States. And I think he's uh, looking for a California adventure also. So at least he's not going to have to come from Saipan, but we're going to get him here. Man, I would just love to see Tommy come back in general. I love that guy. He's such such a good dude. I think... Uh, Tommy was a chief instructor while you were here for your first program. Yeah, I remember. I met him. Yeah, super, super good dude. So now we're back to Henry on his break and no more karaoke night. Sorry, we pay, we got to pay the bills at some point, dude. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> and, and once again, thank you, Connie. You absolutely, man. Give your mother a big hello, a big hug, and a, and a big thank you. Please, please. I didn't tell her this yet, but she'll be excited. Absolutely, dude. Your mother fucking rocks. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and she taught you to clean well. We do know that. Yep, she surely did. His mom has watched his show twice now. And once was to watch him clean my floors. Yeah, well, the first time she tuned in, I had a wine glass sitting right here, right here behind my computer where I mm-hmm. can't see anything. And I went to to grab a keyboard or a mouse or something and knock the wine glass off, and it just shatters on the floor. So I made myself look like a big asshole, but then I cleaned up after myself. So, so that Redeemed. wine glass you're using tonight, Allie, we call them the nip glasses because we got because st- they're short and stubby. And stimless, so he can't <laughs> knock them over. <laughs> we got stimless glasses because we ran out of wine glasses because Nick broke our... We had four. We got down to two. Nick, who, you weren't the first. Who broke the other one? Oh, it was well before you. We broke... I don't... Long time ago. I'm say it. it was you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it, man. Stupid Asians can't do anything right. If I broke glassware, it would not be that kind of glassware. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Can we get back to Henry Guyver? I got scotch glasses over here. So, Henry, <laughs> now we're to, you're going to jump 1,500 fucking times in this year. And, and you've kind of almost stepped into those ideas of, of what your goals are. You said ratings, but I want to know what your goals are. What do you think you're going to do this year? Well, um, so 1,500 jumps. Uh, Four jumps a day, every day for a year. Yes, please. Uh, 28 jumps a week. <laughs> That's what I need. I need someone I'm to do this. I'm math. doing the math over I, here. I, I haven't done it. So, <laughs> um, I want to do 1,500 jumps, and I'm I plan on doing it with certain restrictions, meaning that I'm sure there are plenty of people that that can do 1,500, uh, but maybe they have turn rigs. I mean, I plan on packing for myself, all of it. Um, I was packing all day today, in anticipation. Let's come back to that in a second. Yeah, that's good to know, though. Um, nice but. Job. 
but generally speaking, yeah, I want to I want to do fifteen hundred jumps. I want to explore a lot of different disciplines. Um, do you know how much that makes your slot for or each jump ticket if you make fifteen hundred? It's uh, five dollars and eighty seven cents. I like that. I like that a lot. Now let's <laughs> hit that goal for one second. You say yeah. I've got some stipulations. Mm-hmm. Glenn last year did thirteen hundred some odd skydives, mm-hmm. uh, twelve hundred of them fun jumps, a hundred of them working jumps. So he worked as a tandem okay. instructor. He very easily did 1,300 jumps. He packed almost all of them except for his tandems. Mm-hmm. Um, he only had one rig, so he worked well within the confines you're asking for. Good. Yeah. And we had a couple weeks off for a fucking hurricane. So as long as oh, you don't have happen. a hurricane, you're gold, man. <laughs> so, so far we've had a sleeting ice event Yeah, it's that I hate you for. I blame <laughs> this on you. You brought Colorado. Um, so 1,500 jumps, very, very doable. Mm-hmm. You're at 30 jumps when you showed back up. Yeah. Now you're at 44 jumps. 43, 44. What's your goal for the next 100 skydives? Well, for sure, uh, take full advantage of another Spaceland perk, which is the mentor program. So for the first 100 jumps, for new jumpers, the first 100 d- jumps you can for free uh, jump with a mentor and uh you still pay for your own jump though you, you pay for your own <laughs> jump yeah <laughs> or get the package and it, everything feels free um but so for those first 100 jumps it's going to be mentor focused i was doing some jumps with joey um but i most recently switched to doing mostly mentor jumps because I, I realized that those 100 jumps are going to happen pretty quickly uh at you know, and so I want to take advantage of all the people I have around me to to give me tips and 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 learn a lot. So you said one of the things you got to learn to do is you've got to learn to pack yourself. Yeah, you showed back up here. Uh, I I met I, I remet actually not really remet you. I met you for the first time mm-hmm. a week ago tomorrow. I haven't even known you for seven days yet. And uh, you said I need to learn to pack. Mm-hmm. Were you able to pack on your own at that point, or were you still struggling at, at the general gist of it? Still struggling. Okay. Now, during that day, one of the things that a couple of us said to you is if you want to learn to pack, then you unpack that rig and you pack it every chance you have on a weather day. You just Mm -hmm. sit here and pack, and when it's time to jump, you'll be happy you did. Mm -hmm. While you're packing, it sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's really tiring. You know why the birds (laughs) sing? That they don't have to fucking pack when they <laughs> land. Fucking show off, man. Uh, if you know me long enough, you've heard that joke too many times. That's that's one of my Hank jokes told over and over again. Today, I saw you packing, mm-hmm. and, and I walked in briefly, and I said, mm-hmm. did you put that in the bag yourself? You said, yeah. I said, on the mm-hmm. first try. You said, yeah. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, it looked neat. I, I didn't see it go in the bag, so I don't know. But mm-hmm. you can see the evidence. It looked really neat. Well, thank you. Were you packing beginning to end by the end of today? Uh, Yeah, yeah. No yeah. help. No help. No Easy. I, uh, and how yeah. long would it take you for one pack job? Actually, I time myself. I time myself at the beginning, and then I time myself. Uh, the first one I did was like 35 minutes. Pretty expected. And then my most recent one uh, was 12 minutes and 6 seconds. What the? And I plan on jumping that so that it's not just some Fuck bullshit toss 12 together. minutes. <laughs> 12 minutes. Yeah. 12 minutes. Yeah, that's dude. awesome, man. That's super respectable. I was hoping you'd say under 20. If you said 15, I was going to fucking say badass. Well, it, it the parachute hasn't opened yet, so let's... <laughs> they open, dude. <laughs> they fucking open, man. It hasn't opened softly. You've been in China long enough. You know how to fold laundry. It's just a parachute, bro. You <laughs> fold the laundry, homie. <laughs> Yeah, it's, 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 it's I, I remember that very same phase of taking my rig home every night, stretching it out across the floor and just packing and packing, and I do the same thing with Stopwatch. 
Mm-hmm. But uh, man, twelve minutes—that's that's awesome. I mean, what what you really want is that's a twenty-minute turnaround, so you can uh, you know on a busy Saturday that you're gonna have time to do a pack job, get geared up, and get back to the loading area in in, uh, in that fifteen-minute period. So, and, and you're doing that already, man. You're you're right on track. I already missed a load because I was packing slowly. So today was like, I I have to. I don't want to miss another load because of it. Like I was manifested and I had to crap out because. Damn. I, and and I thought never again. So Oh, I just wanted to also point out that uh with the price you paid for the jump package and the number of jumps you made so far, you're currently paying two hundred dollars per slot. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, that number is gonna go down. <laughs> you almost were coffee, motherfucker. Um anyway, first of all, I gotta say it again. Props, dude. Twelve minute pack job. I don't care who you are, you gotta be happy with a twelve minute pack job. That uh, is so respectful far, yeah. as fuck. Now, like you said, let's see if it opens. Mm-hmm. But people who out there are complaining, man, I can't pack, I can't pack, I can't pack. The beginning of today, 35 minutes struggling to put it in the bag. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Feeling like you couldn't do it. It's awful. Yeah. By the end of the day, 12 minutes. If you put your mind to it, you can get it done, man. People who say I can't pack, it's because you ain't worked at it. You worked your ass off today. Fair statement? Yeah. And now you don't have to work your ass off nearly as much, dude. Mm-hmm. Nice job. So now you know how to pack. Now you can get a job as a packer. Oh, maybe not. Who's the hardest? <laughs> who is the hardest working person on a drop zone on a Saturday? I'm sure it's the packers. They're yeah, basting it out. How much does it cost to, for a pack job? Six bucks, right? You're wrong. Mm-hmm. How much does it cost for a pack job? Six dollars plus tip. Six dollars plus tip. Dude, if you are using a packer and you are not tipping your packer. That's like going to a restaurant and stiffing somebody at a restaurant, but worse. Mm-hmm. It's a service-based industry. They're providing you a service. They're packing your parachute. And straight up, if you ain't tipping them, they're going to pack your parachute just the same. They ain't going to do anything wrong yeah. or anything different. You tip them, I bet you you get every call you want. You tip mm-hmm. them, I bet you you're at the front of the line for everything. You tip them, and I bet you they go over backwards for you, man. Just a personal feeling, just a personal vendetta, maybe because sure. Packers are my friends. Mm-hmm. A dollar a pack job, people, if you're listening to this, is a respectful tip. Man, if you get four pack jobs and you leave a dollar, hey, man, I left you something extra. A quarter a pack job for a tip, man, that's that's embarrassing. That's more insulting than it is helpful, guys. So mm-hmm. uh, love your Packers. Tip them. And bring them a beer at the end of the day. I love you, Ivy. <laughs> Ivy listens, and I got to kiss some ass somewhere. She's our chief Packer. Mm-hmm. So after these 100 jumps, what's your next goal? What kind of flying do you think you're going to get into? Well, so I'm in it. I'm in the long game. So I really want to be sure to build a solid foundation of all my skills. Stuff that I, uh, I mean, it's all skydiving. It's all really fun. Um, there's some things that draw my interest more than others. Like uh, I don't foresee myself you know, going really deep into belly flying, um, but <laughs> <laughs> really deep. <laughs> I was going to challenge you to make your first 500 jumps as belly jumps. And if you do that, you're going to learn everything else a lot faster. Ask, ask anybody who's good at flying and they're going to give you a really similar answer. Don't, don't take my word for it. Ask everybody, ask yeah, everybody, yeah. say, I want to be a badass flyer. What do I do right, right now? Right now with, with 40 jumps, what do I do? Ask everybody that question. 
Billy. It's gonna be Billy. And I and I I plan actually on, if on you want to be the most Billy. badass flyer ever, mm-hmm. as soon as you have two hundred jumps, you immediately put on a GoPro and a wingsuit. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> See, that's more like it. <laughs> uh, I love people shooting video and GoPros. I love my wingsuit homies. Uh-huh. At two hundred jumps, that's the bare minimum. You ain't ready for that, mm-hmm. um, dude. I would love to see somebody pick up that gauntlet that Nick just threw down. Man, you're going to make 1,500 jumps this year. Your first third on your belly, the awareness, the time awareness, your skill set is going to be tremendous. Your early learning curve is going to feel a little stagnated because you feel like you're in the same plane in the same area. Mm -hmm. But learning energy is like any other type of energy. There's potential energy. There's kinetic energy. Mm -hmm. The longer you build up potential energy, the more kinetic energy you have to release, right? Mm -hmm. Learning. If you immediately take a fast skyrocketing learning curve, you run out of uh, kinetic energy very quickly, you plateau, and your learning learning curve, you blow people away, Mm -hmm. but then you plateau forever. Mm -hmm. You hold that slow learning curve. You build up so much potential energy that when you let that go and you turn it into that upward movement, your learning curve skyrockets and your your, your limits are almost unlimited. Mm -hmm. So, dude, Nick, man, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you, you also present a, a pretty unique uh, situation because you have, as far as I know, you know some of the lowest jump numbers from anyone that's that's purchased the package, mm-hmm. and especially someone with, uh, you know, the ability to commit so much time to doing it. Mm-hmm. So someone from going from almost zero skydiving experience to fifteen hundred jumps in a year—that's mm-hmm. usually something that takes several several years. So your learning curve might look a lot different, mm-hmm. but um, I understand why you know people that that are drawn to skydiving right now with everything that's uh, online with what skydiving looks like that, mm-hmm. that not many new skydivers are super excited to be shredding like four-way belly points because that's mm-hmm. not the sexiest looking thing out there so <laughs> right. not many people aspire to that but uh the the people who it, it's it's easier for me to parallel skydiving with another sport mm-hmm. so usually for me i usually do motocross so let's say that somebody sees travis pastrana nail the double backflip right and that's what they see. That's what makes them want to get into into motocross. Mm-hmm. And then that person says, "Man, I really want to do that, but I don't want to spend all this time learning to just mm-hmm. like ride a bike. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to learn how to just r- drive straight and use the throttle and the brakes. <laughs> like that's what you got to do first before the double backflip is ever an option, right? right that you right. really have to learn the fundamentals first. The stronger base you have, the 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 f- the better you learn those fundamentals." the easier it's going to be when you start stacking uh, the more advanced stuff on top of it. Does it have to be 500, though? Well, if I was doing 1,500... Well, (laughs) if I knew what I know today and I was in your shoes, Uh that's exactly what I would do. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a lot of discipline to not go off on these jumps that seem... Do you know what a zoo dive is? Have you heard this phrase? Uh, No, I don't. A zoo dive is a jump that is planned that's way outside of everybody's ability, and you know it's going to go to shit. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get on some of these jumps this year. Mm -hmm. And... I, I usually get lured onto one of these jumps once every year to two years. That I'm with a group of friends, people around the drop zone. I know that none of them can really do this plan, mm-hmm. but it's like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go have fun with my friends. Mm-hmm. And every time I do it, I swear that's the last one I'm going to do. Because <laughs> it's, it's once you've been on good, successful, safe skydives, mm-hmm. and then you go on a jump like that, it's like, no, this is not cool. Like, this yeah. is not fun. I'm super stressed out. Where the hell is everybody? No one's on level. No one's flying together. We've all just wasted this jump. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sure, skydiving skydiving's fun. But when you start to learn and you start to have good, successful, challenging skydives that work, and then you go back to just the, oh, fuck it, it's fun enough to fly to fall out of an airplane, it's not right. it's not nearly as cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're going to get drawn into those, some of those jumps. Someone's going to say, hey, uh, so-and-so with 
uh, 50 jumps and so-and-so with 70 jumps and this person with whatever. We're all going to go do a, a sit jump. And uh, you're going to see them when you leave the airplane. And then some of them you're not going to see until they land. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's super not awesome. <laughs> when, you d- when you develop the environmental awareness to notice the, the, those sorts of dangers, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's not a jump I want to be on. And I promise you're going to find yourself on some of those. And right as you lose track of someone in free fall, you're going to be like, oh, this is what Nick was talking about on the podcast. <laughs> I feel pretty unsafe right now. But uh, So I challenge you to try, try not to get on those jumps. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you should always be... Uh, pressing your skills your skill set forward if you want to mm-hmm. keep learning then sure you've got to have something uh you know a goal in mind something down the road that you're looking forward to something that you're working on actively but uh trying to jump ahead and oh, man no. i want to be the world's sickest free flyer man if you sp- if you take that motivation take that feeling that makes you want to do that thing and throw that at belly flying mm-hmm. and once you can do like once there are all sorts of camps that, that come through like rolls big way camps or something that we've talked a lot about but the the fundamentals, like when you're teaching someone to sit fly, sit flying is what every every a licensed skydiver they want to start sit flying. Mm-hmm. And so when someone with with forty jumps wants to start sit flying, you got to teach them so much shit that they should have learned on their bellies mm-hmm. about a proper approach, about about levels, about docking, about break off, mm-hmm. and we got to translate all that stuff into free flying, which. <laughs> is a lot easier to learn on your belly first because the world makes sense. It's a slower speed. You're a lot more familiar with flying the orientation. So uh, that temptation's always going to be there of, of yeah, I want, I want, <laughs> it's always going to be there for, for new skydivers, especially of, I want to do the cool shit I saw on the internet <laughs> now, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. We're all looking for that instant gratification, right? We all want to feel like we can do it. We all want to feel like we're good at skydiving. Right. But if you really want to be good at skydiving, if you really want to do this right and make the most of this investment, this whole year that you're taking off, this $9,000 you just threw at the jump package, man, get good on your belly. Cause it's going to pay dividends later. The, I no I, I know that's sound advice. There's just one thing that that draws me because it feels so good, and that is tracking. It feels really good to track. There's the cool factor of all the other things, and I definitely want to go pro in a wingsuit. Don't get me wrong, but the <laughs> <laughs> and be the sickest free flying wingsuit camera flyer <laughs> ever. But uh, tracking, you know, like I I am committed to to being a safe and uh, capable flyer, and and I know. And I, I don't poo-poo the belly jumps. I, I, I don't want it to seem that way. I, I respect the belly. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, I have the time, you know, I have the time. I have the, the jumps, uh, you know, the jump capability to, to, to do those jumps. And I, and I plan on doing it. But the draw of doing some, some other things, sometimes like some, some good tracking jumps and stuff is yeah, Tracking's cool. But uh, it puts a whole nother element of movement into what's going on, mm-hmm. which, uh, demands a whole nother level of awareness so it's just going to be important when you when you go down that road for tracking that you get coaching from people that know it well like uh, Mm -hmm. daniel angulo is someone that you're going to get to know Uh, tex is someone that you're going to get to know and those Mm -hmm. people are going to from the very beginning they're going to teach you hey yeah tracking's great this is why we go this way this is how it works this here's the body position um so that information certainly out there and has been um Different people have different uh, ways of thinking about angle flying and who they do and don't want to teach it to and what the prerequisites are to start mm-hmm. learning those sorts of movement movement skydives. But, uh, again, you're going to have a really unique learning curve. And if you decide that you're going to spend, you know, you want to invest some, some time and, um, you know, you'll have to throw a little bit more money at, at good, in good coaching. Mm-hmm. But um, but th- th- that information is absolutely 
available at, uh, at a big drop zone. Mm-hmm. That's great. Man, I never really put thought into it the way you said it, but I know people who come into AFF instructor rating courses, and a- AFF is really what most people would consider the premier rating of all the instructor ratings to get it is by far the hardest and the most demanding and the most stressful. The thing I tell them is get 500 solid belly jumps. That's exactly the advice I would give them. So I've never thought of giving this advice to a new jumper. And I would love for you to prove the world a point. I would love for the world to see what could happen if you took this kind of progression. Now, first and foremost, do what is safe. Yeah. Second, do what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And if this plan that Nick throws down to you is not your plan, I respect it as long as it's safe. But don't be a pussy and accept this challenge and prove <laughs> to the world what it'll do. <laughs> That's my gauntlet to you. <laughs> no, uh, dude, I just, I really just encourage you to, to <laughs> s- seek out advice. Ask people, like, it, when you first start skydiving, everybody seems awesome at it. Everybody seems equally qualified. The people that you learn from, the people that you see land a parachute up front, everyone's going to seem equally qualified to you. Everyone's going to look like a badass. Mm-hmm. But as you spend more time around and you pay attention and you'll start to learn and you start to see who's doing what, you're going to learn who who the good people are, mm-hmm. or at least the people who are good at what you want to be good at. Mm-hmm. And ask those people, hey, these are my goals. What should I do? And, uh, and see what you get. Yeah. But don't think, I want to be the world's best Free fly wingsuit camera flyer and just make that uh, that that's not the end game. Yeah, no, of course not. <laughs> so you've got all sorts of goals and and we just delve into one of them. Yeah. Wingsuiting. You are very interested in putting on a dress. I I'm. It would be my first time and I just can't wait, DJ. I don't believe it would be your first time in a dress. <laughs> Ali, is he telling us the truth or do you use him as dress up Back for fashion up, week Ali. practice? Back me up. <laughs> No, she's shaking her head no and suddenly pushing the mic away from her. So apparently <laughs> you in a dress is where she draws the line, which tells me it's true. <clears throat> what? <laughs> I heard the word say? naked come out of your face hole. No, I just prefer him naked. Oh, oh brown chicken brown cow. Mm. What about in a dress and then naked? What if it starts in a dress with the goal of getting naked? As long as naked <laughs> is the end game. Hey, brother. I'll take it. And I got to give you a little bit of credit, a little bit of props. Allie, you are an absolutely wonderfully nice lady. How the fuck you ended up with her, I don't understand. I her. Yeah. I put roofies in my wife's drink every night. That's how <laughs> I do that shit. No, nah, dude, uh, you're a super nice guy, and I think y'all deserve each other for sure. Thank you. Wingsuiting. When do you think you'll start getting into wingsuiting? So this is another thing where I'm going to defer to people who know better than I do. Okay. So, like you said, 200 jumps, that's when you are, you know, people will let you make your own decision. So, it's I, I see it as, like, kind of the same thing with wind limits. When when you're a licensed skydiver, you can choose, is the wind too, is it too windy for me or not? But then you will have people say to you, hey, you know, it's your choice, but I think it might be too windy for you. So, in terms of the wingsuit and stuff like that, I have time. And uh, I think I'll defer to other people's judgment on it. 500 belly jumps, that's a big gauntlet you guys just threw, ja- threw down. Um, I, I think that I would struggle to not at least try before 500 jumps, try out like a small wingsuit. Uh, but uh, a lot of this I'm going to play by ear, and I'm, I'm going to be taking a lot of advice, and that's mm-hmm. going to steer a lot of my decisions. Man, those belly jumps, I, I, I immediately went into free-flying as a new jumper. I mean, like 20 jumps I was already free-flying. It was a little bit different world when I started skydiving. I was doing two ways at eight jumps, three ways, four ways with my friends at, at ten jumps. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I got into free flying right away, and I eventually became an AFF instructor. And as an AFF instructor, you need strong belly skills. That's yeah. where you make your living. And I found out during my AFF instructor course, I was good enough to pass this course, but I wanted to be better. So I went out, and I actually found some good flying things to do. And I found out with those good flying things to do that I am a mu- or a good four-way belly flying. I found out good high-level belly flying. When I found good high-level belly flying, I turned into a much better flyer all around. Mm-hmm. My belly flying, number one, there is some super exciting shit to do. Uh, Nicole Black, you've met Nicole. She yep. was our guest recently. Her boyfriend, a, a guy named Stephen Boyd, which I think you've met Stephen before. Super nice. He S- saved us from the cold. Dude, he's a much better flyer than he is a nice guy. I can't believe it. Dude, That I, you know what I'm saying? And Nick, would you agree with that? Steven is, is a much better flyer than he is a nice guy. Steven is an all-around uh, badass flyer and gentleman, yes. Yeah, and that's the biggest compliment because he is a sweetheart of a man. He is an absolutely wonderful person, and he's yeah. a dope flyer. Uh, him, my wife, Valerie, mm-hmm. and Nicole all did a four-way jump, and it was a four-way sit fly. Our next four-way jump together, do you know what we're going to do? Four-way belly jump. And we're all excited. Now, I don't know if Nicole and I have told Steven and Valerie this. <laughs> Valerie used to compete in four-way on her belly, so she'll be very excited. That's her natural home habitat. That's cool. And Steven goes on belly jumps every chance he gets. Mm-hmm. You know, you think belly jumps, and you think of those student jumps. You think of those traditional. Man, go on a good high-speed belly jump. Mm-hmm. Go out sometime. Let Valerie and I get out there and go turn points with you one day. I and love see, that. Yeah. yeah, dude, we're in, man. Valerie, I'm, th- I'm throwing you under the bus right now. Now, here's the problem. Find a time where Valerie and I are both available to make a fun jump together. Mm. It's limited. Mm-hmm. But we are going to find a time to do this three-way with you. I want to show I you how much that. belly means. I would really love that. Yeah, absolutely, brother. And first of all, I would love to share the sky with you. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I want you to really see how much belly means and what we can do together, dude, and really try to convince you on this challenge Nick threw down. Now, eventually, you're going to get your ass in a wingsuit. By the end of this year, what do you think you're going to be able to do? What am I going to be able to do in terms of skill? skill, Yeah. Skill ability? So, forget the 500 challenge. Okay. By the way, before today, if Nick asked me, I probably would have thrown it down as a 200 challenge to the average jumper. And I'll say the average jumper is not going to do what you're going to do. Would you say you're going above and beyond the average jumper? I would, yeah. Then don't follow the average jumper's advice. I saw the <laughs> look you just gave Nick. He's throwing you above and beyond challenge because you're performing above and beyond. But to the average jumper, I recommend at least 200 belly jumps before you do anything else. Mm-hmm. So Nick's throwing a super huge gauntlet down to you. And yes, I know people. That seems unrealistic. Most people won't make that many skydives. Mm-hmm. Uh, do 200 belly jumps before you go anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So promise me that goal. Promise me you'll make 200 skydives before you do anything else. I promise you I'll make 200 skydives. Or now, 200 belly dives. Before. Yeah, because I did. I left out the belly part, uh, dude. You caught, yeah. I got that, So yeah. thank you. Yeah. And, and then from there, at 200... Consider yeah. going towards 500. Um, I lost track of what was going on. Nick stood up and got a drink and made me thirsty. <laughs> Where were we going with that, Mr. P? I don't know. I was eating another one bar over here. Oh, man. Future Walmart. sponsor of the podcast. I love one bar. Um, in these next couple hundred jumps, you, you, you're going to have these goals in these directions. Mm-hmm. Forget all these 200, 500 jump goals. Yeah. The end of the year. You've seen some really dope flying online. Mm-hmm. What do you think you want to be able to do? Is it like being the master wingsuit or a master free flyer, a guy in 100-way formations? What? What do you? What is your goal there? Well, uh, I'm I'm kind of leaving room for, for whatever to happen. Uh, one thing that I am interested in is uh, I would like to compete. I, I would like, so for nationals, uh, you don't actually have to qualify 
right? Correct. I want to play. So uh, even if I'm last placed of all the, you know, the last of the last, I would like to, I would like to compete in nationals. If so you ain't first, <laughs> you're last. Then there we go. I made it easy. Dude. <laughs> so what do you want to compete in? Yeah. So the, so what I have, you know, kind of in my head, and like I said, I'm, I'm leaving room for things to change and, and for my preferences to change. And, uh, but what I like the idea of, well, I can say that, what I like the idea of right now is I do have, you know, a very keen interest in a uh, flying wingsuit. And um, so I would like to fly a wingsuit. I, and I, I know the, the categories are acro, right? And then uh, performance. So right now, I am kind of want to try the performance, wingsuit performance uh, at, at nationals. So I don't know. It's, it's all very far out. I think it's in September, right? Nationals, at least this year, was in September. So nationals changes every year, and okay. part of its location. For example, if nationals is in a northern uh, area, for uh, Chicago has nationals all the time. They host it earlier because their weather goes to shit sooner. <laughs> if nationals is in Paris, California, or Ely, Arizona, it happens mm-hmm. later. Nick, 2018 wingsuit nationals, because wingsuit nationals are not always held at the same place as regular nationals. He'll find out when it's going to be. Um, first of all, I love that goal of competition. Mm-hmm. And I love your uh, thought process. September 15th. September 15th. And is this one going to be in uh, CSC, Rochelle? Chicago Land Skydiving Center, CSC. CSC, yeah. And uh, they, they have done a wonderful job hosting nationals for wingsuits every year. Dave Smith is the owner there, and he does a fucking absolutely dope job uh, of uh, putting together a great a great uh, event. Um, uh, no matter who you are competing – you're not competing against yourself, or you're not competing against a crowd. You say, I don't care if I'm first, you don't care if I'm yeah. last. You're competing against yourself. Mm-hmm. And nationals, having a goal like that will give you a focus, a hunger, a desire, and a test bed to see what you really accomplished. Yeah. Push yourself. You don't have to be good to compete. Most of the funnest teams aren't there to be the best teams. Mm-hmm. Most of my favorite teams in the world aren't the best teams. All respect to the best teams. I, man, I've had so many different friends on Arizona Airspeed over the years. They've been such some of the nicest people. So they're having fun, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're one of the best teams. But, dude, going for fun. Yeah. Dude, you know one of the easiest ways to get into nationals and compete? What's that? Four-way belly. <laughs> oh, dude. It's honestly exactly what I would have said. Had you, had you not had a goal in mind, I would have said, dude, you're going to be on a four-way belly team then. <laughs> yeah, and it truly is a great way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can introduce you to a good buddy of ours, a guy named Demo. Demo, oh my God, uh, showed up to Spaceland about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And I remember the first rookie belly team he coached. And now he's created a system called Toxic. Um, and, and that's his team, Toxic. And then they have other sprout off teams like Highly Toxic, uh, Toxic MV, Toxic Light. They, they've just had all sorts of really cool names. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good at putting new jumpers together, and it's a great way to spend your Saturday making a good number of jumps. Mm-hmm. So uh, that there is a potential there. You want to compete at nationals. Mm-hmm. That's one goal. What's another goal you want to see yourself by the end of the year? Um, I mean, I don't know. The truth is, I've I've kind of left room for 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 a lot. It's it's you know competing in nationals. Yes, I w- I definitely want to compete in nationals. I I like the idea of the wingsuit. Uh, I like. Uh, I don't know. I, it's it's kind of up in the air. I just would really want to push myself. I want to push my limits. Uh, and 
I want to I want to have fun. It sounds like your life story to me. Why are you in China? Because every day's new, every day's an exploration, everything's a challenge. Hey, you're going to skydive for a year. At the end of the year, what are you going to do? I don't fucking know, dude. Every day's a challenge. Every day is something I'm going to explore. What are you going to do in skydiving? I'm open. And one of the best ways to learn to skydive is straight up that. And then I really don't fuck skydiving for one second. Mm-hmm. I love that life mindset. Valerie and I went to New Zealand for our honeymoon. We went there for uh, just over two weeks. We avoided tourist traps. We avoided hotels. We avoided the main state. We mm-hmm. stayed at B&Bs living with families. Nice. Why? We got to know the people of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. We got to know the culture. As a matter of fact, there were things we got to do on our honeymoon that we could have paid to do as tourists, but because we were staying with a local family, we got to do it with them for free. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, it, it's super awesome. We wanted to explore country. So if you're traveling, explore the people. Mm-hmm. Get to know the Absolutely. culture. Stay in families' homes. Fuck the hotels. Yeah. Yes, are you going to have to eat something different? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, are you going to have to do something different? Yeah. That's the best part. Dude, my extremely devout Christian family who did not believe in drinking growing up, kind of our conversation, you didn't drink, did you grow up religious? Uh, who We we uh, visited my mom's family in Japan regularly, and we would actually celebrate and, and join in in New Year's uh, ceremonies, including respecting my grandfather who has yep. passed away, and we'd all drink sake around the table. And my mm-hmm. parents like, hey, this is a ceremony. We're not drinking to drink. We're drinking out of respect. Mm-hmm. In a Buddhist re- in a Buddhist ceremony. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is everything against you guys, but what did they do? Embrace it and get to know this culture, son. This is yeah. part of your culture. You don't have to agree with it to respect it and appreciate it and enjoy it. That's how you abide. Absolutely. I think I think that's a good way to be. That's why you lived in China. And that's how you're going to take skydiving on. Yeah. Yeah. I wish more people came into this with an, with an open heart and an open mind. Nick, what you got going on over there, man? What do you? Oh, uh, I just pull, I, I honestly didn't know what uh, performance competition uh, in wingsuits consisted of, so I just pulled up a video. It's just got a bunch of exits from uh, I think it was 2015 nationals. Yeah. Do you, Do you know that what the competition good. consists of, Mr. Guyver? So, to the best of my knowledge, it's uh, three categories: uh, time. Uh, I don't actually remember all three. There are three of them, though, right? Distance, time, distance, and I, I don't even know. That's I why I started looking it up, and I'm having a hard time finding like a good uh, overview of it. Uh-huh. But uh, what I've heard described before is that there's a, a window mm-hmm. uh, between, let's see, three thousand meters and one thousand meters is what this is calling it. I think it's a. Uh, they're suggesting that a, ju- a crosswind jump run two to four uh, nautical miles upwind of the drop zone is suggested to give every competitor a clean shot back to the drop zone. So it's talking about, uh, yeah, the distance and speed in a certain uh, vertical window of free fall. That's what it sounds like. And so time is actually speed said and done. Okay. Yeah, time task, distance task, and speed task Mm -hmm. is what it says here. So they are doing a time and a speed differently. So for the time task, the time spent in the evaluation window counts. The longer you stay in the competition window, the better. Oh, that's the, the flat glide one. For the distance task, the horizontal distance covered over the ground while in the evaluation window counts. The further you fly while in the competition window, the better. Okay, so the time is the longer you stay up there, the, the more hang time you get, the farther you go, and then uh, the faster you go. For the speed task, the highest average horizontal speed over the ground achieved while in the evaluation window counts. The further you fly in the shortest time while in the competition window, the better. So I got to recommend, man, for a second, if you're going to learn to wingsuit, 
go the right path. You're going to meet a lot of folks here who are going to offer to teach you to wingsuit. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can necessarily go wrong with any of them, Mm -hmm. but I'll tell you, you can get 10 times the learning out of some of them. Uh, One of the guys I highly recommend is a kid named Anthony Zerbonia. Now, Mm -hmm. I say a kid named Anthony Zerbonia because Anthony is also known as the kid. Mm -hmm. So he's not really a kid. Mm -hmm. Super chill dude. Really, really like Anthony. I got a lot of respect for him personally, Mm -hmm. but I've also watched him teach, and I love the way he coaches and speaks to people. Um, Anthony's in and out of town. He's actually going to be competing in the World uh, Wingsuit Competition or something like that mm-hmm. uh, this weekend. Uh, and then Jeremy Carnop. I believe you've met Jeremy. Oh, yeah. He's our rigor tall guy. We yeah. also call him Sunshine. Sunshine would also be another two. And if you're going to learn to wingsuit, those are the two guys you learn from, man. Other guys aren't bad. No disrespect to any of them. Yeah. Those two guys are going to do well. Now, I'm saying that. Yeah. I might change my mind if new coaches show up this year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're going to have a fella come up soon. He was a guest on the show already. Luke Rogers will be in town, mm-hmm. and uh, if Luke's around and available to coach, ooh, Luke, I would mouth hug you. I I actually met Luke when I was here for my A license. Yeah, so you know that Aussie yeah. girl, huh? <laughs> yeah, and I I, <laughs> I messaged him uh, like a couple, maybe five, six months after I got my license, and just kind of checked in and. Uh, you know, said I'm interested in wingsuit, and and uh, he's he's just a really nice guy, and I, I look forward to him coming back. And I April with some more jumps after yeah. March. I don't know if he's coming out at the end of March or coming back in the beginning of April, but April I know he'll be here by that time. Mm-hmm. So there's some really good people. I love the idea. I love the environment that you're going to be open minded. I love the, the idea that you don't know where you're going to go and you're going to accept it a, as you move along. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. One, sorry, a little bit of gas. One of the things you mentioned, though, one of the things Nick asked is, are you planning on getting instructor ratings? Yeah. Now, uh, that's what I do for a living. I train instructors. That's mm-hmm. kind of my forte. Is that something you think you're interested in ever heading towards? I think so, yeah. I mean, I mean, I say I think so. Yeah, I definitely want, want to go through and get, get the ratings. Yeah. Um, I, what I will do with all of them, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but, I mean, it's... It's an opportunity to gain more knowledge uh, that I I feel like it would be foolish to pass it up with the resources here with the Rating Center and yourself. Thank you. And, uh, you know, doing all of these jumps and everything and being in the atmosphere and... You know, Spaceland Spoiled and everything. (laughs) Spaceland Spoiled. That's a thing. Uh, That's definitely a thing. That's manifest. (laughs) (laughs) Woo, doggy. You actually say uh, ratings, man. You you don't know if you ever use them, but you're interested in the learning aspect. And, Nick, you actually remind me of that statement. Uh, You actually took a coach course once upon a time with no intent of ever using it just to explore. Yeah, I wanted to see, you know, a little more of an inside look at what it's like to teach uh i guess the lower level of of teaching newer skydivers yeah i've done a fair amount of free flight coaching i wouldn't say it's uh my favorite thing in the world nor is it my uh greatest skill in the world but i've got enough information to pass on to to most people to to make them be better free flyers i think you're much better at it than your desire allows you to be uh maybe i don't know yeah now i just want skydiving to be fun all the time Kind of one of the things that Henry said is he feels like I would learn a lot from it. You went through a coach course. We won't talk about with who or where. That That's irrelevant. But do you feel like you gained information in that course? I went through my coach course no, at you the didn't. rating <laughs> center. <laughs> we'll leave that guy alone. I actually, I ran your no, coach course. Hang on. You did run my <laughs> coach course. But I, I did want to, I, I thought about this earlier, but it does fit into the show right now. Uh, did you meet Sam Lombardo? She worked in the office, I think, when you yeah, were here last. Sure. 
Uh, DJ, who are you doing a co- or an AFF course with today? Dude, Sam Lombardo, so, man. So Bad she, bitch. She came Bad in, bitch. Uh, she came into the video room while I was still editing. This is about 5 p.m. today. And she said, oh, my God. <laughs> and she's like, she was talking, she was just singing your praises, talking about uh, what a wealth of information you are and uh, how uh, good you are at relaying that information in a way that can be uh, understood and that uh, she really appreciated the effort that you put into that course. So uh, totally an, another plug for uh, the Rating Center. But uh, you run a good course, my friend. Great job. Man, I, re- I really do appreciate that. And uh, But you were asking me a serious question before yeah. I tried to give you that compliment. What was it? Uh, you went through a coach course, and, and thank you, man. I do take a lot of pride in my ability of what Hank did with you, and good teachers don't make you learn our way. We adapt to your way. Yeah. By the way, the best teachers will adapt to your way and then show you a better way to learn if possible. Mm. Uh, we can all refine our learning skills, and that's something else Hank is really good at, yeah. adapting to your way so he can show you a better way. Uh, that I think all our rating center staff, man, have you noticed Chris Fudal has gotten really good at that lately? Yeah, you guys are all killing it, man. It's uh, it's it's. I actually, even with the experience that I have, uh, I r- usually learn something listening to any one of you talk to any student for any prolonged period of time. Yeah, Liz Sass, man, Liz is one of our evaluators, and she has a wonderful way of working with students. Absolutely, when she was working with students, she's one of the best we have, no doubt about it. Uh, you went through a coach course, and that's something Henry said, man. I'm going to take rating courses not to use ratings, and maybe you use them, maybe you don't, but I'm going to take them for my own betterment. What did, you, did you actually get something out of taking a coach course besides, you know, insight for the, your future? Uh, yeah, I mean, partly it's a really good refresher to go back to things that uh, I liked in the coach course, being able to put into a much greater perspective the things that I learned as a student, as a young jumper, of like, oh, now I get it. Because I had the experience around whatever that thing is to either understand it more or understand why I was why I was learning it. And uh, aside from the material this covered, uh, one thing that was a big focus on our course was uh, the ability to teach information, whether that be skydiving related or not. And... Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of communication stuff, a lot of ground prep stuff, and you know, I think I had maybe twenty five hundred jumps when I did the coach course, so I wasn't really worried about knowing that uh, you know, that it's possible for someone to pass the flying portion of a coach course at a hundred jumps. I didn't really think that would be the the struggle. It was still, I mean, the the ground prep and memorization of the jumps was definitely the hardest hardest part for me, but uh, I definitely. Learned there was a lot. There was a lot more information in that course than I uh, expected there to be. So I definitely learned a lot. Dude, I would love for you to see what we do today. The evolution of what Hank and I have put into our coach course and Valerie. Valerie's been a huge part of that. We definitely. And if you're not evolving, if you're teaching the same way you taught a year ago, then you're dying. You you are going away. Keep evolving. So, um, guys, take courses. Better your future. And, and I don't care if you take the courses with a rating center. I care that you take the courses with a good examiner. And I've mentioned Michael Watkins runs Excel Skydiving. He does a phenomenal job. Jay Stokes runs Certifications Unlimited. He does a great job. I saw Jay Stokes while I was in San Diego. Yeah? Yeah, I didn't even dare say hi to him. I was geeking out. Really, dude? Yeah. You should have told. You should have said hi to Jay. No, our relationship. I, he would have. I thought. Hugged you. I thought about it, but yeah. he was uh, starting a uh, rigging or he was finishing a rigging course. Do you know Brad Patterson? I fucking Brad. I love that so cocksucker. I was sitting in Skydive San Diego. This is a weather day, super shit weather, and I was waiting to talk to their drop zone manager about the tandem editing software that we use uh-huh. because I just heard that them. Uh, Greg. Greg. That's Greg is his then. name. Okay. And so I was just sitting there shooting the shit, and I was actually sitting um, 
in the office with uh, with my Gravity Lab radio hat on. And uh, Brad sat down and we bullshit for a second. I didn't know who he was. And he's like, oh, you do Gravity Lab with DJ. And I was like, oh, yeah, you noticed my hat. He's like, And then he then we talked about Braden and talked about him being in Saipan. Yeah. And he said, yeah, I'm doing a, a rigging course with Jay Stokes. And I was like, oh, my God, Jay Stokes is here. <laughs> and so we walked out, and uh, you know. It just, just that he's such a legend in skydiving, but Do, I didn't. I didn't dare introduce myself. Jay is the president of USPA, United States Parachute Association. Jay has done, and we've talked about him before on the podcast. So I won't go too far, but he's done the most jumps in twenty four hours. We've shared this with with the show before, so I just want you to take a guess. You jump for twenty four straight hours. How many skydives did this man make on his largest record attempt? More than a hundred. More than a hundred. Easily. My God. Take a stab. 24 hours. Hey, Nick, you're the math man. <laughs> well, I'm looking it up on the internet right now to see how close you're going to get. So I know the number already. Yeah. And your number is actually wrong, but right. And I'll tell you. Okay. Um, in 24 hours? Yeah. I, I mean, throw a number out there. You got I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to say, let's say 160. Fucking take a wild stab. That ain't even wild. 164. How about that? 740 is his record. He did 741. He landed off. They saw him leave the airplane. They saw him walk in with an open parachute. So the Guinness staff said it counts. He goes, nope, you didn't see me land. Don't count it. It's 740. 741 jumps in 24 fucking hours, dude. That's two minutes up and down. Like He, he gets in a plane, and two minutes later, he's getting in the plane again. He jumps. So two minutes later, he's jumping just over two minutes. Right. It is an unbelievable process. He's the Iron Man of skydiving. He's did the record attempt five or six times now. I've lost track. Um, he's my mentor. He's the guy who taught me to be do what I do. Did you watch Jay teach at all? Uh, no, I only saw the brief in, uh, interaction they had there in the yeah. uh, in the front office. I, I the largest compliment I've ever been paid, and I've heard this more than once, is when I teach. They see a lot of Jay Stokes, except for Jay doesn't cut up as much as I do. He's a little bit more serious and a little bit more stoic, where I'm an ass clown. Um, but I've heard so many friends like, oh, my God, you guys worked together for a long time. Yes, we did. And Jay is the largest influence on the rating center and how we do our business. He, he's a dynamite man. Seven, 740 jumps. In 24 fucking hours. Fuck your 1,500 he, jumps in a year. He, he can do that in two days, <laughs> two days bitch. Yeah, that's some <laughs> shit. He, he really wanted to get those belly jumps out of the way, huh? Yeah. Those yeah. first 500. Yeah, he had to get <laughs> them out <laughs> before before 5 o'clock in yeah. the evening. So he's done four, five, six hundred jumps, seven hundred jumps, or yeah, six hundred jumps That's in twenty-four wild. hours. Really uh, he's wild. done this record attempt five times. In five times, and he's done several hundred and, and a couple thousand over those record attempts. How many malfunctions did he have? <laughs> Zero. Wow. Not one. That's that's incredible. So I don't know how we got sidetracked to Jay Stokes, but we did. You want to get ratings one day to learn. Yeah. Now, we really want you to predict the future, and I know you don't have any goals with the future. Mm-hmm. But do you see maybe yourself working in the sport one day? I would like to, yeah. Welcome to the life of poverty. I hope you have a good job, <laughs> Allie. <laughs> Come on, Allie. <laughs> Pull it together. Yeah. Do you know what they call a skydiver without a girlfriend? Uh, no. Homeless. Homeless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so busless. 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 Oh! Yeah. <laughs> so look around the RV park and yeah. look at how many couples are in the RV park. Mm-hmm. There's a limited number. Yeah. And most of them all work in the sport. Rob and... Felicia, mm-hmm. both work in the sport. Mm-hmm. Jeff and Adrian, both work in the sport. So most couples do. Look at guys who live out in town. Hey, Nick. What's up? Who do you live with? My girlfriend. Hey, DJ, who do you live with? My wife. <laughs> We're married. 
that's how we get it. What do you call Scott Ivory without a girlfriend? Homeless. I wasn't homeless before I got a girlfriend, and I didn't live at the drop zone. No, saying. you didn't. But we're rare. <laughs> we're rare. <laughs> so it's, it's not the most uh, financially uh, beneficial life. Yeah. As a matter of fact, most of us have to live in oh, a Oh, I was still poor. Yeah, I forgot that part. Yeah, yeah. Still so poor. So most of us have to live in an RV or a bus. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> not, a, not a bus. So <laughs> what's your Instagram tag? Han- what's your Instagram handle? Uh, on wheels under canopy. And you have a Facebook page, which is a little bit different. Neglected. Uh, the yeah. Facebook page is neglected. Why don't you tie the two together? Because you know you can do that, right? I know, I, and I should. Okay. I, yeah. So in your fa- you also have an On Wheels Under Canopy Facebook page. Right. Uh, so guys, check it out at ins- uh, on Instagram, at Wheels Under Canopy, and, and look for them on, on Facebook, and we'll share it with everything. But you actually bought a school bus. Yep. And you converted it to live in. Yep. Tell me about this process. Uh, well, it was... Like doing 1,500 jumps in a year, we took it from being a school bus into what it is now. And I think it's quite nice. Uh, it's not, you know, it's it's still a work in progress in many ways. But uh, in three months, we went from a school bus to now a place that has, you know, a bathroom and, and a kitchen area and a bedroom and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever known an all-you-can-jump package person before they showed up. And you're the closest thing I got to know on somebody because I actually followed at Wheels Under Canopy. Mm-hmm. We've talked about you on the show on several occasions, mm-hmm. and I followed you making this bus. And Allie, you obviously were a huge help. And there's you're in some of these she's, videos. She's the mastermind, dude. She's yeah. she's the brains behind the operation. Yeah. She's the good looks. I'm you're the, the comic relief, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how Valerie and I work as well. <laughs> uh, Val and Allie, uh, you, the names work close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys gutted the bus. Then you rebuilt it, including one of my favorite moments in this whole story mm-hmm. is you showing the instrument panel or the control center mm-hmm. for it. And you decided to redo even just that with a wood panel. Yeah. So you've gone and you've tried to customize a lot of this bus. Oh, yeah. There's very little bus left. Yeah. You've got a bed in the back. How big is that bed? Queen. queen. Yep. Queen size bed. So comfortably. Mm-hmm. Now, both yep. of you are very small or petite people. You're tall, but you're skinny. Mm-hmm. And now you're just petite in general. So you guys <laughs> will fit comfortably. Mm-hmm. But I mean, queen size, queen size bed is still very spacious. Yeah, for sure. You've built in a toilet. Uh, a composting toilet. I was going to ask. Suspiciously looks like a bucket. Suspiciously. <laughs> like a bucket. So <laughs> composting toilet's fancy way to say bucket in the floor. <laughs> well, we don't. That's, that's a little. We bit haven't of an cut the hole yet. <laughs> yeah. We haven't cut the hole yet. <laughs> I don't know that the drop zone, drop zone would like that. Um. Uh, well, no, I mean bucket in a hole. As far as is, you've got a deck and everything built oh, around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it it is no. Have no illusion. It is a bucket. <laughs> yeah, it is a bucket. So wait a minute. So you call it a composting toilet. What yeah. do you do with this bucket when you're done with it? Uh, you've seen your backyard. We've been sneaking over your fence and. <laughs> <laughs> in the corner. That's why those bushes are growing in so thick. Dude, so try the other side of the yard. We need more fertilizer. <laughs> okay. So no, really, what are you gonna do with the with the with the bucket? Um well it's it's tricky. It's uh because y- you have to figure out whether it's not really like bio waste at the point when it's com- composted, you know? It's mm-hmm. it's like dirt. So technically you could just scatter it. But I don't I don't know. Uh, we've been disposing of it in a in a you know kind of safe, effective dumpster method. It's just a bag of dirt, really. At the end of the at the end of it, sounds oh like yeah. a bunch of shit to me. Yeah, yeah. a bag <laughs> of it. I'd say he's full <laughs> of a bu- shit. A bucket, a bucket, but he's got a bucket to pull that prove that he's not. You oh. can you can come try it. Feel free to to try it out. No, I'm gonna change your life. So he, I'm not worried about shitting out in a bucket. Uh-huh. I grew up in Japan, shitting a hole in the ground. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So the whole idea is not foreign to me. Yeah. 
It's the fact that it's not my toilet. Uh, I like shit at home. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Nick, at the drop zone, do you have a stall that you prefer to shit in? Like, that's your stall? God, I don't even like doing it at the drop zone, I'll be honest. Me neither. But sometimes Come you got to poo. Yeah, I honestly, now, especially now that the uh, that the bunkhouse is looking a little better, I go to the bunkhouse just for the privacy. So I can do my shame by myself. Dude, that is the best place. And I haven't <laughs> gone to the bunkhouse in a while because the bathrooms were run down for a while. Right. Now it's, it's better now. It's great. Dude, they have re-gutted and, those and buildings. And it's really common that nobody's out there. No one comes and goes. You just sit on your phone and play games until you decide that you're done shitting. You know what I used to call those bathrooms when they were still in good condition? Tell me. Staff bathrooms. Because you saw nobody back there but staff. They're not really staff bathrooms, but none of our customers knew they existed. So you could you could have a line in the standard bathroom and go to the staff bathrooms, and they'd be totally fine. Henry, have you watched this show before before now? Like, have you watched any episodes? Yeah, yeah. yeah, there, yeah. There, there's a common question that we get to <laughs> about about this point: whether when you shit, do you wipe from the front to the back or the back to the front? Front to back. Okay. That's sanitary. Are you yep. Mm-hmm. Nope. I'm not what kidding you. What do you mean you. sanitary? See, you don't have to piss all the wipe it to. You're wiping it to the front of your fewer, fewer obstructions. <laughs> this maniac right here wipes back to front. This fucking crazy asshole. I actually pinched my butthole. We've <laughs> clarified this in the beginning. So here's the biggest point of it. Do you hike your ass and wipe your ass, or do you reach between your junk, move your junk out of the way, and wipe your ass? It does. It, no, no, no. You have to get up and and rearrange. You, there's, Dude, I don't when know you what you're working with. Down. Like, you get one. You, get one leg up. So when you sit down on get the a toilet, helper. get a helper to spread. Your butt cheeks spread open, and if they don't, you're getting shit on I your love, cheeks. I love that you will continue <laughs> to defend your position here. So I'm not, we can have every guest from now until forever. Stop laughing at the microphone. No one can hear. I'm saying we can have every guest from now until the end of this show say that they wipe <laughs> fucking front to back, and you're still coming, gonna be just de- this defensive about it because you're all fucking wrong. Yeah, I don't believe you, I don't agree with that. Sit down on the toilet, get comfortable. Mm. Now, hey, once you're comfortable, on. pick a cheek up and let the toilet seat he- hold your shit open, dude. No, your so bowels are now open, you'll move cleaner, you'll move smoother, you never get shit on your butt cheeks, and all you gotta do is punch <laughs> the butthole. <laughs> Hang on. So DJ actually brought up one good point that I had not thought about. Okay. And that point is that we really aren't designed to shit on a Western toilet. No, like no. Like that it's a that's an advent that's pretty pretty modern to uh to, to the human yeah, defecating bet. styles. So the only thing I and I actually I did some uh, some testing recently. Not a live test. This was a dry test. <laughs> but uh about about squatting, what I would do if I were actually squatting. Mm-hmm. And as long as you don't try and keep your, if you tried to keep your heels on the floor, then I think it might be easier to go through the front. Mm-hmm. But if you're on your toes, just crouch down. And to me, it's just a more comfortable position to, to sustain for, the, for longer. Yeah. I would still go from the back. So, so I would agree. I grew up shitting in a hole, a hole on the floor and I had to squat at times. Um, wiping from the back on my toes is easier. Wiping flat-footed from the front is easier. I did tell you there is one other thing that taught me to wipe between my legs. Your mother, I hope? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, 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 she taught you the wrong... Sorry. Uh, (laughs) I think you know this. I had two broken legs and a broken arm all in one time. I was in two full leg casts and an arm cast all at once. And you cannot do anything. That fucked up your wiping game. I get it, man. Dude, so I actually (laughs) took part part of my learning to wipe from between my legs was shitting in a hole in the ground. 
part of it was I had a broken arm and a cast, and I literally had to actually take my broken arm and use my good arm to help adjust my junk out of the way, and with my left, with my remaining good hand, reach down See, and just wipe my but ass. You're, you're proving my point about why we should not be listening to you about the correct <laughs> way to wipe your ass because you fucked that up. You didn't. You two broken legs and a broken arm. Oh, I did we that skateboarding. I didn't do that shit myself. No, bro. no I'm, not, I'm not saying. Here. I'm not saying it was a shit-related accident. I'm saying that your technique of what happens after you shit was totally messed up by this period in your life. Most people haven't had to do that, so most people just do it normal. So, uh, front, so I don't look front, at broken long, legs. Long story short, front to back. All right, continue, Henry. <laughs> tell me more about your composting toilet. I don't look at broken <laughs> legs as a bad opportunity. It taught me the proper way to wipe, and you have not been enlightened yet. <laughs> All right, so how, how much time did you spend renovating the bus? Uh, working very much full-time for three months. Uh, about three months and a little more than three months. Uh, there was a period where we went and we visited Ali's family, um, and so we were away for a little bit. But other than that, working full days. And you did the renovations yourself for the most part? Yep. No, 100%. Not the Not most part. Not well, well, 90... We, we had... Actually, Joey does tile, and uh, he came and helped with the framing a little bit. Um, because he just has a general knowledge of how things are put together, which which I don't really. But other than that, yeah. So you were the project manager? So one thing I didn't see in the Instagram follow is, did you guys put a shower in the joint? No. No, couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Allie's staring us down right now. <laughs> couldn't be bothered with a shower, honey? Yeah. So you guys go to the gym and use yeah. a shower at the gym. And, of yeah. course, the drop zone has shower facilities. Yeah. Are you goal-oriented to throw a shower in there at some point? Uh, based on space, no. We've got a 30-foot school bus. So the the ones where you see someone who has a school bus that includes a shower, it's usually 40 foot. Stevens that's, is 40 foot. That's a significant, you know, it's our, we're seven and a half feet wide interior. Mm-hmm. And then you add 10 feet by seven and a half. That, yeah, go ahead, throw a shower in there. But... Where we are right now, I I think, you know, we it's 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 a lot more logistics to make that I, happen. I feel like the world's kind of uh, on the cusp of a tiny home revolution. I think so. So, uh, just curious, like, can mm-hmm. you ballpark what you what you spent on getting the bus and renovating the bus? Oh, for sure. Uh, so the the bus was thirty five hundred bucks. Fuck uh, yeah, that's a crazy deal. Good it running was a condition. Crazy deal. Oh, perfect running condition. Okay. The blue all zeros on emissions, like it, it runs really well. We we drove it here, no problems at all. Uh, took it to the mechanic. Only had to pay for them to look at it. They didn't actually have to do anything. It's a '98. Um, and then so right now, all in, we're including the cost of the bus, like eight thousand five hundred bucks. What? Yeah, man. That's absurd. Yeah. That's absurdly cheap. I thought you were going to give me like a $20,000. I thought that was going to be the low end. That's the jump package. The jump package. Shit. Man, I get a bus and a jump package (laughs) for this number I've got in my head? Goddamn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And let's be real. Uh, Nick, have you shared a picture of the bus? Uh, I shared a video that these guys put together and uh, and their Instagram. But let me find an actual photo. It's a good-looking bus. So you've actually put a wooden wall back there. Mm -hmm. And I like how you did it because one of the things about this tiny home revolution we have going on in America is also a rustic home revolution. Mm -hmm. Very raw material. I I can only be raw. Yeah, I can only (laughs) be raw. And it it really looks good. But you take this raw material, and then like one of my favorite absolute features of the bus is on this raw material wall, you have this very, very nice painting. And, Mm -hmm. And actually, where did this painting come from? 
the artist. You Allie. pointed at Allie right there. Mm-hmm. And Allie, you've got a little bit of art background now. That's all her background, and, and absolutely a beautiful mural on the back, man. That nice sign, that nice sun, and that tree. I just look at that, and it's inviting. It makes my heart sing. It makes me feel like a bird, which that's what we are, yeah, right? We're, we're birds. trying. Flooring. What kind of flooring do you have in there? So we we had just like the tongue and groove uh, snap down flooring. So you have wood laminate. Mm-hmm. So laminate, it's not real exactly. wood, but it's laminate. Yeah. And, and the man, floor. they look really, really nice. You've got a couch in there. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it's just kind of similar to the couch you're sitting on right now. It's mm-hmm. a very affordable and space-sufficient yep. couch. Does it fold out to a, a futon for guests? Yeah, it, ask Joey. Ask sure Joey. Does. Yeah. <laughs> so right now, is Joey living with you guys? He's not. No, he w- he was, when we first came, he was uh, living with us while we kind of got things sorted out. Where's he staying at now? He's a tent man. He's tent. Hashtag tent life. Yeah. Tent life. What, so where's his tent at? Well, I'm going to um, go stalk him. He's behind Hangar 2. Okay, the normal tent spot. That, that's kind of yeah. turned into I've tent I've got a city. picture of the inside of the bus up for anyone that's watching right now. Yeah, and you can see that wonderful, gorgeous mural. And just uh, and so right behind that mural is y'all's bedroom, right? Yep. And on this side of the mural, as we're looking at the picture on the left, is y'all's sink, if I remember right? Yeah, we got a, we got a sink on the left, uh, and then a countertop and a cooktop, stovetop on the right. And uh, and then a little table, like dining table, that it folds out on either side, so we could we can fit, you know, at least four, four, four comfortably, six intimately. <laughs> and it really looks like the way it's set up, collapse, you can fit two comfortably. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then if you want to just stay two spread out, you can fold it. You can fold it up mm-hmm. or, or or lay it out, whatever. Oh, yeah. And fit too comfortably. Mm-hmm. And across from your couch, you guys got some more seating. Did I see that? Oh yeah, we got really, really cool seating there. It's it's old theater seats that Ali reupholstered. Okay, I was wondering. They kind of look like so. I see that, and I immediately think stadium seats. And, and just because uh, growing up, uh, different uh, baseball, football stadiums closing mm-hmm. down, my friends would buy stadium seats and have them d- uh, decorating their house, and it's something I've always wanted. So here now, you guys have have. Theater seats in your place, mm-hmm. and then it's still a very drivable bus and very drivable unit. Oh, big time! Yeah, eighty five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. And right now, what are you guys doing for power right now? So that's the tricky part. Um, it's eighty five hundred bucks now. It's about to be another fifteen to, you know, two thousand dollars more. Uh, fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars more. But we're we're running off of a generator for the most part. But we're set up so that. The what we will do is charge a battery bank and then have a power inverter. So use the generator, and I- eventually the idea is to do solar. Um, but a lot of this is uh, the reason we don't have the battery bank and the power inverter set up yet is because we had to get down here. So I just we just said you know let's let's get down there and then we'll fuss with it because we can run the generator for now. I mean, you guys basically worked until you came here on this bus based off of Instagram, true? Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. And so you guys hustled your ass off. Big you time. guys have gone so far as you actually painted the outside of the bus and Alley, the outside of the bus looks really good, but the inside painting is much better. Mm-hmm. But you're also uh, helped with a lot of the painting on the outside of the bus. Oh, yeah, she's she's yeah. boss. She's paint boss. Including the stop sign. Every yeah. school bus comes out with a swing out stop sign. Mm-hmm. You can't really legitimately have that. And Mr. P is sharing on the screen right now, Allie painting that stop sign. You guys painted it blue, so you're not breaking any laws now. Mm-hmm. And what's on that stop sign right there? 
That's Henry tracking. Mm. Sorry if you guys can't hear Allie. I'm, I'm kind of yeah. being her parakeet, and, and Nick will have it there. Thank you. So you, you've done a lot of drawings. Where, how, where did you get this idea from? Well, this picture actually came from a video of Henry, I think, in Thailand mm -hmm. that he did that. And then I just took a, um, a screenshot of it, and then I just painted it on the stop sign with this a foam brush, of all things. This is your picture from uh, Facebook. You actually have the picture yeah. of you tracking on Facebook. That's right, yep. Okay, makes sense. And you actually plan on decorating it with more skydiving pictures? Yeah. Yeah, we got to do the other side of the stop sign. We got we got tracking on one side. I thought it'd be pretty cool to do someone sit flying on the other side because we can pop it out. We still we still have the mechanism for it. You know the the button the switch. So it still works. It's still an active working swing out arm. It's not really supposed to be, but it is. It is. It's like don't touch that until we're parked and and you know and no, then no touch one else it. is around. And yeah. it doesn't say stop on. Do the lights still flash? Lights still flash. Because really, if you disarm the lights, there's nothing I think they can really say about it. The lights still flash though, so yeah. we just don't touch that until. We're you know not going to fool anyone into thinking we're a school bus. Yeah, I don't think you you have that goal. But put yeah. another switch in just for the lights, and you're done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, y'all painted the inside of the bus. Y'all painted the outside of the bus. It's now your full time home. Yep. At the end of this year, you stop skydiving. I say stop skydiving. You're not skydiving full time, and you mm -hmm. go back to normal life and normal living. What do you do with the bus? Well, um, I already know what you paid for it. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I just busted. Yeah, it was like $45,000. So Mr. P <laughs> just said, I know what you paid for it, so I'm going to bid low. Well, well, we'll have to keep making renovations, expensive ones. Um, actually, I think that uh, it makes the most sense, at least right now, just to keep it. Uh, we, we have... We have a house. We don't, we don't have a mortgage. We don't have... You know, we don't, we don't owe anyone any money on this. Uh, it seems like... Sure, we could make some money off of it, you know, at, at the end of the year, but uh, we've put the time, effort, and money into it already. We, you know, there's there's somewhere where we can park it safely and comfortably. You know, if we're not using it in the moment, I I think that you know it's it it makes more sense to keep it at this point. If you go buy a thirty foot RV, how much money are you gonna spend, man? If you spend ten grand on thirty foot RV, you're getting away cheap for a piece of shit. Did you guys shop yeah. RVs? No, we no. we totally skipped it. No, um, it, it gets real expensive really quick, man. Yeah. You're spending fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. So you spent way less money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And have you ever looked at the construction of an RV? It's all fiberglass. Yeah. No, it's not. It's cheap pieces of fucking little pieces of lumber too. Oh man, <laughs> so it's dangerous. When you look at an RV and you see all these fiberglass shells, they're usually little bitty sticks of wood inside. Any leak, anything deteriorates the shit out of an RV. Nick, have you ever seen RVs collapsing inside the RV park? Uh, yeah, all too often, actually. Yeah. It makes for a really great and classy look over there. It does. <laughs> Valerie and I live full-time in an RV, and living full-time in an RV requires high levels of weekly maintenance if you want this RV to last forever. Mm -hmm. What's your RV made out of? Steel. And how much maintenance is involved with keeping that steel up to speed? None. Yeah. <laughs> so, guy, Man, I, I have to ask where where did you find the bus? Like, let's say I'm oh, maybe I'm just gonna buy the bus and have the bus ready for renovations. Craigslist, baby. Craigslist. Oh, that's amazing, dude. Yeah. I think of Craigslist and I think drug deals and hookers. Yeah, I've been there for the <laughs> prostitutes, but never for the bus. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, how many miles did it have on it when you when you got the bus? One hundred and seventy thousand. It's a diesel automatic. Um, it's yeah, uh, 
Ooh. How many old ladies have you run off the road driving the bus? Unclear. <laughs> <laughs> haven't calculated that yet. Not enough drugs then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite the find. But what what's the catch here? This all seems far too easy. I mean, when I think about someone who's going to spend thirty thousand dollars on a decent RV, or someone who's going to spend several thousand and a couple months worth of work on a on a bus, making it a lot more uh, fun and customized. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's got to be a catch. Catches, it's a lot of work. Yeah, work, okay. it's just uh, putting a lot of energy into it. Um, it's it's also it's it's you know there's a parallel here with packing parachutes, which is that uh, I've learned in a short period of time that pretty much everyone packs a parachute a different way. Um, you know they have variations. A million percent. A million variations. Yeah. With schoolies, uh, the school buses. Exact same thing. Some people will say, absolutely, do not do that. And other people will say, you have to do that. And and so it's just really a matter of, you know, your personal preference and also just doing it. So the the catch, yeah, just, you know, designing it yourself. Uh, I mean, there are plans and you can pay people to do it for you even. But uh, mainly doing it at that cost is, is labor, us doing it ourselves. But you enjoyed it to some level, don't, didn't you? I had an awesome time. I really enjoyed it, yeah. Dude, I enjoyed the, the share. I mean, it w- to me, it was evident that you guys really had a good time doing this. Oh, you yeah. painting the bus in your pajamas at times, things <laughs> I've seen on Instagram. <laughs> and, and, and that's Allie. And then both of you busting your ass to do it. Mm-hmm. So one really infamous question we have to have here in Texas mm-hmm. is air conditioning. What do you have for air conditioning in that bus? So we haven't needed it yet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we we haven't we haven't hooked up AC yet. What we're going to do so in the aft emergency hatch, uh, the overhead, mm-hmm. we've replaced that with kind of plexi plexiglass. So it's kind of just like a skylight. Yeah. The four one we still have, and so at this point, what we'll probably do is just take that entire thing out, and then replace it with an AC and uh, run it run it that way. So you plan on putting a ceiling AC unit that they use for RVs? Yeah, probably. I would recommend considering looking at a window unit if you can install one. Yeah, you know, I mean, like w- totally. Where so you know those when temp window not temp but you know those window units you see hanging out of people's windows. Mm-hmm. The thing that I've noticed with RV style air conditioning units, and I don't know if it's luck, I don't know what it is, but I've noticed guys who live in in the RV park with their own. Whether, whether it's an RV with a window unit in it mm-hmm. or whether it I- is a bus with a window unit in If you get a good quality window unit, number one, it's cheaper. Mm-hmm. Number two, they don't seem to have as many problems. We see a lot of maintenance issues with RV uh, 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 air conditionings. In the heat of Houston, they have to work overtime, and they mm. constantly freeze up and have other issues. Mm-hmm. So I'm not an air conditioning specialist or an expert, yeah. but, man, uh, window units are a lot more affordable if they break down, they're a lot easier to replace and or fix. And so I would see if you could get a window unit. I like that, yeah. And uh, then you have to look at how much power you're supplying because can you run two window units, one in the front, one in the back? Because maybe what the most effective thing to do would to just be have just to have one in the in the bedroom because during the day, you know, I'm I plan on getting thirteen thousand five hundred feet of AC. Yeah, and then at night is when it's going to be uncomfortable in the bus. Uh, so probably just to have a window one in the bedroom, which is a, which is the we built the bedroom around the bed. It's a queen size bedroom. Yeah, it <laughs> and is. So, and and so just put that in there. It's a much smaller space to cool. I think that's. 
And that would be You're very manageable yeah. for a unit like that. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, you'll end up spending more time in the front of the bus in the summer than you probably realize. Mm-hmm. Just think about certain times, certain uh, parts of the day, bad weather days. Yeah. Uh, Allie, I'm sure you're not going to want to hang out at the DZ 24-7. Believe it or not, as entertaining as it can be, there's times that you're going to want to go away and do other things. Um, so y- it's just something to consider. Just just mm-hmm. from a guy who lived on a DZ for a long time. Yeah, think, for sure. Think about that. Nick, what's that packing picture you got going on over there? Oh, that was uh, Henry packing. I don't know if that's today or yesterday, but uh, but I shared that on the on the feed for a little bit. Looks like uh, it looks like it might be today. You that's can see today, it right yeah. there on the right screen. I just because that's where you were set up today. Yep. So cool, man. We turn into pumpkins at nine o'clock. Magical, mystical hour. That Nick's girlfriend starts reeling in that magic leash that pulls hey, him you know back what? home. Quit reminding me. Yeah. Have you got a text from her yet? Nope. Not no. yet. Cool. So as we're wrapping it up, man, first thing, I want you to come back at the end of this year. I want the end of this year to say, Henry, this is what you said at the beginning of the year. We want to see what you say at the end of the year. Will you come back at the end? I would love to come back. I will definitely be back. Awesome. And for those of you listening, I think it would be super interesting to hear the perspective of what it's like to be a new jumper and now what it's like to be a 1,500 uh, jump veteran and see how the perspective has changed and see if you agree with Nick's 500 jump goal. Nick, we got to remember we threw that gauntlet down at the beginning here. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would be surprised if, uh, if you, if you uh, dedicated that much time to, to that number. But uh, if you could ask... Just ask around. Ask around to the people who are good. Hey, what do you wish you had done more of when you started skydiving? I will. And uh, see what you you get. By the way, belly flying is what I could say. I I wholeheartedly agree with what Nick's saying. I I really think that's a strong move and a strong statement. I I think it's kind of a a common thread in in life that, like, when you weigh the instant gratification of something Mm -hmm. against denying that instant gratification and doing the right thing that's usually more work, Mm -hmm. that that's where growth and success really are is at the end of that longer harder road Mm -hmm. so uh yeah man go chase it down do those belly jumps you'll thank you'll thank me later yeah leaders eat last right it's a theory Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, a guy named simon sinek is a is a speaker he he talks about organization leadership stuff like that and he asked a marine officer one day what is the secret of success for marines and leadership officers eat last we let the the lower enlisted men eat first you want to be a leader don't you yeah eat last absolutely you make sure everybody else is fed you make sure you get those fundamentals down you eat last Mm -hmm. which means focus on those belly jumps which means Mm -hmm. get those fundamentals down um i'd be super curious to see if we could really prove that point And, and i love that before we clear out, before we close out, a couple of things to think about for us. Next week, we're still working on a guest. I actually have not closed down the idea. Nick, we'll talk about that together. The following week is February 1st. And February 1st, we will have a guy named Rob Parker. Rob actually works at Skydive Spaceland. Rob has skydived in Greece, in Spain, in England, in New Zealand, and worked in a lot of but not all of these places. So it's a super, really cool, world-traveling, unique view. What's it like to skydive in these countries in these beautiful spots? What's the rules and regulations like in different countries? So Rob will be doing that. The week after we're taking off, we'll tell you more about that as we're getting out. But those are our next few weeks coming. Before we close out, anything you want to share about On Wheels Under Canopy, Henry Guyver? Not really. I just hope to see to, m- to meet a lot more people at the drop zone and, and see some new jumpers as well and, you know. See you on your belly. Dude, guys, gals, look around at the drop zone for Henry Guyver. He is one of the fucking nicest new guys we've met. Mr. P, you got anything to share, sir? No, I think that's it for me. Dude, Connie Lott. 
Thank you for sponsoring <laughs> our karaoke night. Thank you, Mom. Till then, this is DJ Marvin. This is Gravity Lab Radio. Blue skies. Woo!